So welcome to It Came From Cleveland. Uh, can you uh, believe it? Eight, eight episodes now we have been on. So this is the first time I've done a show where I actually count the episodes. <laughs> and it's been a lot of fun, too. So that's, that's great. Certainly has. And uh, hat tip to Tim Coromel for, for being the first person to ever number podcasts. Kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the only one of my friends to really number them so for so long. Hello, neighbor dogs. And, of course, uh, someone who's no stranger to pups. Joe Santorsa, also heard on the Tim Coromel Show. Uh, welcome, sir. Episode 608 this weekend. Wow, I only have 600 more episodes to do to catch up to him with this. That's it. That's yep. it. So. <laughs> 600 weeks and we're there. Can I prorate since our show's three hours long? Um, so <laughs> oh, yeah, you get three times as much credit. Okay, yeah. all right, there we go. And, of course, uh, Michelle, uh, our resident uh, mistress of uh, terror, welcome to the program. Thank you, thank you. I'm looking forward to tonight, because there's a lot of blood in our future. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. B- Bill Paxson had a very blood-spattered uh, career, especially early on. Um, he was not afraid to uh, get get uh, get dirty in his movies. Um, and bloody. And of course, Miles, uh, welcome, uh, welcome aboard. And of course, we're we're probably going to be talking about one of Bill Paxson's most famous, uh, roles, uh, famous for, uh, you know. That's it, man. Game over, man. It's game over. What the fuck are we going to do now? What are we going to do? Yeah. So, uh, Aliens, uh, which is exciting. And, um, and there's, uh, there's something that I plucked from aliens, uh, the, something very important that Bill Paxton did, um, uh, to, uh, advance the, uh, lore of the alien universe. So, uh, and I'm sure miles will have lots of fun to share with us too. Right, buddy. Yep. I'm here. Yeah. And the robots will answer your question tonight. Miles gave him a question. So, and we've got a brand new mythical moment uh, from Adam Hebert. Uh, new rock block from uh, Mort from Kill the Hippies, and uh, new and of course uh, a bloody horror uh, trailer block uh, for our final break on the show tonight, hand selected by Michelle. So yeah, we got some good ones, some weird yeah. ones. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Well, now I want to start slightly less bloody, uh, and I want to talk about something uh, um, that I want to recommend a, a television show that Bill Paxton was in that Susan and I love dearly. Um, and the premise of it might sound weird and off-putting, 
and it is kind of weird and off-putting, but it's such great storytelling. And uh, the show was called Big Love. Here is uh, the HBO binge trailer um, that uh, uh, for for Big Love for all five seasons. I believe in the covenant of family. Woo! I believe in the covenant of plural marriage. I don't understand how you all can like each other so much. We've chosen to be a family. I don't think it's always easy for anyone. I do not want to have to ask your permission for everything! Everything I do! Don't break my glove compartment. <laughs> you slept with Bill in my bed. It just happened. I'm having an affair. With who? Bill. Your husband, Bill? $58,000 in debt. You can never tell a soul about my family. There's man's law and there's God's law. And I think you know which side I'm on. Roman Grant is the one true prophet! I'm the father of one of your wives. It's too bad you feel so uncomfortable around your family. I'm going after Roman. We're gonna take it to him. You're not displeasing me. You're throwing out a challenge to God. Ah! We're lost, Bill. We are disintegrating. If I lose you, if I lose any of you, I lose everything. Save me from this madness. Your father know you're here with him? Don't do this. Not like this. You made your choices, and now I'm making mine. Are you engaged in polygamy? You can't do that. You can't just walk away. I don't even know what the road in front of us tomorrow is going to look like. All right, so there's a bit of a teaser for you, and I'll tell you a little bit more about some of the characters as we uh, go through some scenes from the pilot. Uh, the series was created by, by Mark V. Olson and Will Sheffer, who are uh, uh, married and writing partners. Um, and the both of them went on record as saying they didn't want to be disrespectful to the Mormon faith, but they. It, but apparently Big Love was actually quite revered by a lot of Mormons that uh, they, they really enjoyed the show. So um, uh, I just find it, you know, fascinating that, you know, that they, they took on the subject so taboo of polygamy um, and the different kinds of polygamy and actually laid it out as to kind of some of it's all right. And some of it's not, not all right. You know, when you're involving, young young girls and stuff like that and there are different factions in in big love there are the the henriksons uh, who bill paxson plays uh, bill henrikson uh and he and his family own three houses on the same street and he has different nights with all of his different wives in the different houses gets very complicated the neighbors ask a lot of questions they've got a lot of fences between the houses and um and they have big family dinners, too. And that's how the, the, C, the series opens up, is with a giant family dinner. And if you didn't know the premise, you would just be like, oh, this is a great family. Look, you know, oh, maybe that's somebody's sister. Maybe that that's somebody's daughter. No, there were three wives sitting around the table with all of their kids with Bill Hendrickson. So the pilot opens up, again, with, the, like I said, the big family dinner. And then it shows uh, Bill Hendrickson going into uh, some kind of... Uh, uh, well, I think it, he actually goes to his new hardware store location, and they, and I forgot all about this. The some some guy shows him 
a commercial that they cut together for this brand new hardware store. I believe it's the third hardware store called Henriksen's Home Plus. And uh, this is the brief little commercial they played for him. Bill Hendrickson here inviting you to the grand opening of our new Hendrickson Home Plus. This Saturday, <laughs> we got plumbing to barbecues, bathtubs to drywall, faucets to French doors. We have it here. Serving the Wasatch Valley with a hometown difference, down from our second location in Pioneer Plaza. Now, where are my cow hands? <laughs> so they're trying to do a Western theme, and they just love it. They just think the commercial's hilarious. So um, it, the... Uh, some of the cast members in this uh, in this film, the the women who play his wives, um, are some really heavy hitter actors. Uh, Jeannie Triplehorn, uh, who has done quite a lot, um, you know, she did Waterworld with Waterworld with Kevin Costner and a bunch of other stuff. Um, Chloe Sav uh, Savini, Savigny, I don't know how to say her name, but you guys have seen her. You know her from everywhere. She's been in all, all kinds of stuff. I think her, her breakout role was in that uber-disturbing movie, Kids. Um, and uh, Jennifer Goodwin, I believe she went on to... Um, she did the series uh, Once Upon a Time, Michelle, from 2011 to 2018, the ABC okay. fantasy series. So uh, she played the youngest wife, Marjean, on the show. Um, so essentially, Jeannie Triplehorn uh, plays the his first wife before they got into polygamy. So she's she's kind of like the character that is the face of the show for the most part. I mean, you know, obviously Bill, you know, Bill Paxson's character, Bill Hendrickson, is a huge thing. But she's kind of like she's the public face of the family. Um. And uh, she plays um, uh, Barbara Henriksen. Uh, Chloe uh, Savigny plays uh, Nikki Grant. And Nikki Grant is the daughter of uh, Roman Grant. Roman Grant is the guy who runs a really skeezy kind of uh, shady illegal compound that uh, has very, very, very young sister wives. And also... Um, it's one of those places where they kick kick boys out, young boys out of so they can't compete for young girls. So it's a, it's a big social commentary on that kind of thing. I don't want to get too much into that, but that plays heavily into um, what happens you know in this series. Um, it, so the, the, the character inter interactions are very fun. Uh, Chloe Savini um, we'll, we'll find out later. She, she's kind of has a bit of a spending problem. And uh, she she's right off the bat asking Bill for for money. Did you get my message yesterday? Hon, I gave you all I could spare. A hundred dollars? Isn't there at least five hundred you could slip in? No. Way? Come on, you know things are tight until the new store opens. Barb reupholstered all her chairs when we moved in here. And Barb's been working too. Well, that's not fair. I mean, we're living United Order, just like Juniper Creek. Everything into the common pot. You know that. You don't need to redecorate. At least. Not right now. You told me to. And I, I told the lady at the store. Nikki, how many times? You know what we're carrying? Three houses, for Pete's sakes. You're the only one I gave a personal checking account to. Don't yell at me. I'm not yelling. Look, I, I, I gotta go. I'll, I'll see what I can do. When? Uh, don't push it. I'll, I'll, I'll call you later. Promise? <sighs> <laughs> 
she exasperates him uh, quite a bit. Uh, <laughs> um, but uh, you know the. Uh, and this is she's the she's she's the second wife um and uh the so the next youngest and um and Marjean is the youngest wife the uh, the actress who was on um once upon a time um but uh this is an interesting scene i just thought i would i would play this for everybody um right off the bat we figure out you know okay who has bill for what night and this is the three wives trying to work out their schedule. All right, next month, it's Nikki the first, Margie the second, me the third, Nikki the fourth, Margie. This is like our conversations on every Wednesday when we're, when we're planning the shows. I'm kidding. <laughs> Margie the fifth and so on. Margie, your birthday is the 21st, mm -hmm. which is mine, but I'll give you a bill for the night. We could trade. Oh, sweetheart, that just makes it more confusing. You take them both nights. I don't mind. Thanks. Mm -hmm. What about Wayne's birthday? He turns five on the 17th. Oh, my heck. That's right. Oh, my heck. Well, he should be with his father on his birthday. Well, it looks like the 17th is family home evening anyway. Yeah, but I want Bill to be with Wayne at our house all night, though. You don't mind, Margie, do you? Oh, no. I don't mind at all. Not at all. You got a problem with the boss lady? I, I get him an extra night anyway, so... Well, whatever works for you two is fine. There's household cash, a little short, again, but I'll manage. What is that supposed to mean? Nikki, I mean, do, do you have something to say? I mean, this isn't just about logistics. It's the spirit of openness that makes us a family. I know. It's just so tight is all. Yeah, she's she uh, Nikki's a pain in the ass. Uh so anyway, um it, it's it, I found it amusing. I was like, okay, this this will kind of give you a feel for what the dy dynamics are with the wives. Um and uh and they don't swear. That's one thing. There's not a lot of swearing in this show because most of the characters are Mormons. So it makes it kind of funny, you know, when when somebody does swear or they make some, you know, say something else instead of a bad word. Um, now, the the cast is, isn't just limited to... Uh, I mean, we have a big, sprawling family. This is essentially a big, crazy, like, gangster... Uh, like a, Almost like a, um, a Mormon Mafia uh, soap opera <laughs> for five years. And uh, we start to see the different factions of the families, like Bill's parents. And Bill's parents are played by two great classic actors... Um, uh, Grace uh, Zabriskie. She was uh, the mother in Twin Peaks, Michelle. Okay. And she's been in tons and tons of other stuff. And uh, she's been in other David Lynch movies as well. Uh, and Bruce Dern from Silent Running. Uh, Laura Dern, speaking of David Lynch, uh, Laura Dern's father, uh, as Frank Harlow. And um, he's asshole in this he's he's dirty he's disgusting <laughs> he has strange health problems and that's what we encounter and and the relationship between um uh, lois and frank bill's parents is like so toxic it's not even funny 
Um, as in this this first scene where uh, where we are introduced to the parents, um, uh, Bill's parents. Warm, wonderful greetings uh, from mom, and then they're like, "Hey, where's dad?" But check it out. Well, 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 there you are. Look at this hair. I was gonna wash it, but I knew there wouldn't great. be time to dry. You look great. <laughs> Bar. Oh, Sarah wrote me the nicest letter last month. Did you bring the children? No. Oh, just look at you. No, Lois. They have school. Now, of course they do, Barb. Mm -hmm. Look at that windshield. How can you see out of it? <laughs> I'll wash it. Hey, Mom, where's Gumbo? He's around. I don't know where he went to. <laughs> Just chasing rabbits. Oh, you were such a sight for sore eyes. Where's Dad? Inside. Joey said he's sick. He is. Oh! Nicky! <laughs> You in a while. Oh, it's so good to see you. Dad? Dad? Oh, good Lord. He's better today. He's laying on the floor fine. in front of the couch with a ripped so shirt. Up in arms. Don't let me die. He fell off the couch. I couldn't lift him back. Where's Joey? He and Wanda got their own place next to the walkers. Don't you lay into him, and I mean it. I put fresh sheets on all the beds in Bill's old room and out back. You can work out your own sleeping Lois, arrangements. We're not staying the night. He's got to get to a doctor. No. Remember when he got his fingers caught in the fan? You said doctors, and he was fine. He needed 23 stitches. <laughs> Bill, there's blood no, in his mouth. No doctors. They only draw attention to us. We know in the city. It's an hour from here. He's discreet. Park Memorial. Not a hospital. You go in, you never get out. <laughs> tests and more tests and, and finding new problems. No, absolutely not. And I mean it. <coughs> yeah, so yeah, Bruce Dern's character is just all disheveled, ripped shirt, his hair's like all ratty, just laying on the floor in front of the couch. And she's like, I couldn't pick him up. I just left him there. <laughs> So, uh, as the series progresses, uh, you will see how just utterly ridiculous their relationship is. I mean, as, as serious you know, as a show as this is in some ways, there are some really, really funny moments. Um, that you know, And again, totally binge-worthy. I don't know if you guys are planning on putting it on your lists or not. But uh, if, if anybody is worth the, worth the price of admission in this, it is the late great character actor uh, Harry Dean Stanton, who we all love around here, um, and uh, he plays the big bad of the series, or at least the head of the family, full of big bads. Um, Roman Grant and his son Alby uh, is Alby. His son is probably one of the single most creepy characters in any television series. The actor they picked to play him, he's been in some other stuff. I think he might have been in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. or something. I'd have to uh, look it up. Uh, but, um, yeah, they're, uh, the, yeah, the Grant family. Let me see. Um, uh, Matt Ross as Albie Grant. He has been in a ton of stuff. Um, and uh, he played uh, Lewis Carruthers in American Psycho, and he was in The uh, Aviator as well. And uh, I think 
Let me see if he was in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Because I swear I was watching an episode of that and I, I thought he was in it. Um, no, he was in American Horror Story. That's what he was in. Uh, and um, let me see. No, I don't... Not, not done a lot of movies. A lot of television. But, uh, but yeah, so... Uh, then later on, uh, the you know the the um, uh, the Grant family. This is now these are Nikki's parents. Uh, uh, um, Roman uh, Grant, played by Harry Dean Stanton, and Albie is her brother. Uh, so Nikki is the character, the second wife, Chloe Savini, and um, and essentially uh, uh, Roman is not a good man, not a nice man, and uh, he has learned that Bill Henriksen is opening a third store. Now, there's a little bit of history there. So, um, and I'm, I'm going to cut it short. I had another clip, but I'm just going to jump to the... Um, well, actually, because it's Harry Dean Stanton, it's not that long. We deserve to hear it. But this is where they introduce the character of Roman Grant. He goes to see Bill and the family at his mother and father's house, which is not far from the compound. And it's so crazy because, like, this huge caravan of, like, Hummers comes rolling in. I mean, and you just know there's something sinister going on, you know. It's Hummers with tinted windows and, you know, probably bulletproof glass. You you know, you name it. But anyway, here's uh, uh, the introduction to Roman Grant. Well, well, well. Bill. Hello, Roman. Albie. You remember Rhonda? Yeah, sure. And look at this. Look who we got here. Sister Lois. <clears throat> Frank's still feeling poorly. Harleen sent over another batch of this stuff. Tell him to drink it. Tell him I said so. Some kind of weird tea. Come on. Sister Rhonda. That's a on soap. We've missed you up here, Bill. We've had some tremendous growth. Four thousand. Oh, yeah, by the way, Sister Rhonda, who they were just mentioning in passing, is a very young bride of Roman Grant's. Like, 14? Something like that. So this is... Lovely. Yeah, so there is some, some skeevy uh, stuff going on. But anyway, continue. I was in attended sacrament last week. And did you know we even hired a PR firm since the Olympics? Us with a PR friend. Can you beat that? <laughs> sure can. Consultants. PR consultants, Bob. And you're opening another store, I understand. Very soon. I've called you several times. Five, six, how many only? Eight, Bob. Eight? You remember Lee Incorporated five years ago? He sent the papers out to you yesterday. We're a little late filing, but uh, it's all squared away now. <laughs> oh, wonderful. So we got no problem then. Totally squared away. I'm glad. Oh, Mighty glad. He's so creepy in this. So creepy. And of course, uh, this character, uh, Roman Grant, played by Harry Dean Stanton, is uh, the they they can on the compound where he reign he reigns over. They consider him the one true prophet, the new Joseph Smith. Joseph Smith. That was the guy who founded. Mormonism, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So, um, but, you know, so so anyway, some other stuff happens, and then we're just going to jump pretty much straight to the end. This is um, um, some other craziness. I think he, he does take his dad to the hospital against his mother's wishes, and there's a big blow-up about that. Um, 
and he leaves his wife back there, but apparently Roman decides to give her, uh, gives her a ride back to their house or one of their houses, I should say. And, um, and he, he pulls up on, um, uh, 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 Roman pulls up on Bill Paxson's character, Bill Henriksen to say, Hey, I got your wife home and everything, but we kind of need to talk about this, this third store. And you'll see that, uh, this, this really kind of sets the tone for their relationship for the uh, rest of this series. I gave your wife a ride back. You and I need to talk. Roman, Albie. Now, what were you thinking, Bill? That I wouldn't read these or that I wouldn't understand them if I did? Now, Roman, this is different. We staked you. We have 15% of the store, both stores as I see it. Now, this store is another legal entity. It's separate. Separate? That's false, Papa. You're entitled to 15% of the first store, which you receive. The store is a franchise. You're entitled to 15% of the franchise fee it pays to the first store. And who owns the franchise? You can put it any way you want, Bill. Have your attorneys arrange it any way you please, but we get 15% of anything you do? Listen to me, son, carefully. There's man's law and there's God's law. And I think you know which side I'm on. I'm sorry. That's not the way I see it. That's not too creepy, is it? <laughs> no. You're your typical greedy cult leader. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's exactly what it is. And uh, you know, and, and that that's all the clips. I didn't want to inundate everybody for with a show that wasn't they weren't too familiar with, so I I've got through that pretty quick lightning round but it is a highly enjoyable bingeable show if anybody's looking for something and you have hbo max um or netflix and you can order the dvds or whatever um you know uh pick it up it's it's a great show uh and again you with you know people you know classic actors like bill paxton and um you know uh um Bruce Dern, Harry Dean Stanton, just the whole lot uh, of actors, and this is, is fantastic. It launched the careers of a lot of younger actors, too. Um, so, um, and, uh, oh, I, I forget, Amanda Seyfried. Um, she's been in uh, uh, quite a few uh, movies. I think she was in that movie about Linda Lovelace, Miles. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I... I uh, Based on the uh, the star of the Deep Throat movie, not the Watergate scandal, um, yeah. So, uh, but yeah, it, it, I, I think it's a it's worth watching for. Everybody. It has a little something for everybody too. It, it's it's got funny moments. It's got very poignant moments. It's got some pretty cool, you know. If you like mobster kind of stuff, uh, it, it could be up your alley. Just a different kind of mobster, um, and uh, you know, really kind of shows the seedy underbelly. Of uh, you know again these these cult offshoots of of Mormonism or Latter Day Saints what have you, and um, and it tries to actually significantly address the concept of consensual polygamy. You know I I I, I got no no dog in that fight. So, <laughs> um, but I know that Susan and I uh, you know she she wants to see a show about uh, brother husbands though. Instead of sister wives, ah. <laughs> I'm kidding. She liked the show too. 
Um, but uh, also uh, a classic legendary clip uh, from my old talk shows um, uh, came from uh, came from this show that I, I'd completely forgotten that I had until we started doing this. Uh, and again, it was uh, um, Harry Dean Stanton as uh, uh, Roman uh, uh, Roman Grant saying, "More fun than a barrel of monkeys, moron." <laughs> he was watching Wheel of Fortune. <laughs> he was watching Wheel of Fortune. I saw that and I was like, "Wow, I need to use that for a promo for for my show." And um, and there it is. So anyway, uh, did, uh, any of you uh, interested in uh, in checking it out, Joe? Do you think this is something you might want to put on your watch list? I might. Yes, I, yeah. I remember when it was on, and uh, I don't know why I never watched it, but I never did. But uh, yeah, it sounds interesting. Yeah, it's got a great opening sequence with God Only Knows by the Beach Boys. Um, you know, uh, and you know, it, this show made me really love that song, you know. Uh, I liked it before, but, you know, it, it, I don't know. It just suited the show so well. Um, Miles, not your cup of tea, or is it something you might uh, might check it out? doesn't sound like it, and Michelle controls the remote anyway, so... Well, it yeah. is... It is highly enjoyable, uh, Michelle. You think you might uh, give a give it a crack? I I don't think I could. Um, no. I'm not big on on more realistic dramas. I, it, I watch TV and movies to escape and have fun. And Understood. I don't. Yeah, and cult cult anything having to do a cult these days makes me nervous. I wasn't even able to watch a whole season of American horror story because they, did yeah, them, yeah. You know? No, I understand. I understand. I do like cult stuff. So, so that stuff, I'll, I'll watch anything about a cult. Um, you know, so, uh, and occult. <laughs> yeah. I, I like but, the cult stuff that deals with the yeah. supernatural stuff, but not the real life, you know, branch division. Oh type no, stuff, I know? understand. I understand. Well, anyway, uh, there's my pitch for any of our listeners who want uh, something fun to binge. Uh, check out Big Love, but we do have to run to the break. Coming up for on our Kill the Hippies block, and then we'll get to some Bill Paxson interview stuff and some randomness that I found. Uh, some some of his classic moments from Weird Science. And uh, But coming up, speaking of weird cults, uh, Mort asked me to play Focus on the Family. Uh, from their uh, 2016 album, uh, You Will Live With Us Forever. And he had me pick a song that I did called Say You, based on the DC Comics character Johnny Thunder. Hot Commando is track number three. And Burning Ship from the same album as Focus on the Family. Um, and Focus on the Family is a great political song, too. just makes fun of that idiotic organization. So, all right, we'll be right back with lots more Bill Paxson action for you. Yo! Stop your grinning and drop your linen.
express elevator to hell. Going down. <laughs> King of the one-liners, Bill Paxson. Gone oh, too soon. Oh, yeah. Gone too soon. And Joe, uh, we mentioned this. We were discussing, uh, Miles and Michelle and I were talking on Wednesday. And uh, he, he's, he kind of pretty much died almost the same way my dad did. Um, shortly after a surgery, uh, he suffered a stroke um, from a heart-related surgery. So yeah, I did read that. Yes. So, uh, and such a young guy though. I mean, what was he? Sixty-one or something like that. Yeah. So, um, and of course, welcome back, uh, Joe, Michelle, and Miles. Uh, I have some interviews, some interesting interview stuff uh, with some anecdotes. I, I have one. I have been dying to play this one for you. It is a story that Bill Paxton uh, told Larry King in 2015 about something that happened on the set of Titanic with clam chowder. None of you know this story, right? Nope. Does not sound familiar. No. Okay. Well, this is quite fascinating. So, um, Bill Paxton is talking about his, his time on the set. Larry asked him pointedly about, you know, this incident that happened. And, um, you know, and he, he was hanging around with, you know, James Cameron, the director and everything, and uh, having a conversation with him. And, um, and of course, he says it, you know, uh, he wasn't a big fan of the caterer, but just, uh, so, but he decided it, this one day that he didn't order out, he was going to eat, you know, with uh, James Cameron and, and have a conversation with him and uh, eat from the, 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 whatever you call it, the, you know, the, the, the catering for the set. I didn't care for the caterer much, so I was ordering my meals in, but I was having a good conversation with Jim Cameron on the set. And I said, Jim, are you going to eat off the truck tonight? He said, yeah. I said, well, I'll join you. So we ladled up the clam chowder, not knowing it was laced with PCP. And uh, <laughs> I don't know who did it or why. Well, let's just pause it right there. Clam chowder laced with PCP on the I set of Titanic. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's Manhattan style. There's mm -hmm. uh, there's uh, New England style. And uh, apparently this is uh, PCP style. PCP. <laughs> So that's a that's a quite a surprise in your soup, Miles, wouldn't you say? Yep, yep, very much so. Yeah. So this is this is what happened. But I remember going back to my trailer after lunch, and Jim went up to his office, and uh, I heard a commotion, and I opened up my door, and I saw a couple of ambulances pulling in, and and then an AD ran up and said. Uh, are you feeling okay? And I was like, well, I, I think I'm, you know, I'm shooting all night. I'm feeling about as good as you can feel. And he said, well, did you eat the clam chowder? And I thought, well, yeah, I had a couple of bowls. And, uh, and about that time, I started feeling it. Now I'm starting to witness some bizarre behavior with the crew and stuff. <laughs> and, and they take us very close by. We were on the Dartmouth side of Halifax Bay. And uh, so all of a sudden, here's 150 crew members stumbling into the emergency room of a very small hospital at 1 o'clock in the morning. You see some people are freaking out. Some people are Congo dancing. Some, some people <laughs> are, are euphoric. I, I knew I was pretty stoned on something pretty bad. And I thought, we, me and Jim thought that it was, there was a neurotoxin in the clams. 
We didn't know what it was. We thought maybe the clams had been left out in the sun or whatever. Sun-dried But I clams. figured, while well, they examine all these other hundred people, I said to Jim, I said, Jim, I'm, I'm not going to hang out here. This is bedlam. I'm going to go, I'm going to wander, because it was only a few blocks from the set. I'm going to wander back down and just drink a case of beer, which is what I did. <laughs> that, seemed to, that seemed to help me. Hey, man after my own heart. <laughs> um, yeah, so... Uh, Wow, uh, clam chowder with PCP. Of all the things you're going to put PCP in, I guess clam chowder is a, the best option. <laughs> that, that, that's, that's just crazy. That's criminal <laughs> is what that is. But they never caught, uh, apparently they never caught the person who did it, and they don't know why they did it. Um, you know, maybe somebody was trying to ditch their stash. <laughs> And it was like, oh, nobody will eat the clam chowder, especially not that Paxton guy. He orders out all the time. But what, a, you know, what luck. He he, he doesn't order, uh, the 190 doesn't order out. He gets served PCP soup. <laughs> so I'm just glad he was okay. You know, the case of beer did him well, he said. So, uh uh, yes, yeah, that uh, could have been that could have been badly for a lot of people. Oh yeah, yeah people could have died. So, um, but yeah, so but you know, Bill Paxson, he just took it in stride. I think I'll have me a little drinky winky. Yeah, a lot. He drank a case of beer. <laughs> Best excuse ever. That there have been hot summer days where I have been actually, I have actually been able to drink a a, a case of beer. And not get completely shit faced, uh, just because you know sweating it out, working and stuff like that. And I'm like, oh my god, I'm out of beer. How did that happen? Um, but everybody knows I drink, you know, piss beer. So uh, <laughs> I drink cheap beer. I'm not. I did. You drink water with food coloring in it. Come on. See, see, Michelle. <laughs> Michelle's gonna give it to me there. So, uh, but I do. I, I do. I did get some Sapporo the other day, which is a nice Japanese beer. Um, and I did get oh, yeah, some, that's good. I got some Coronas, but you probably don't like that either. So, oh, no. yeah. yeah, I like ice cold Coronas on hot day. Um, and it's like, put, it's going to be getting into the nineties here soon. Uh, but you know, if you, if you take PCP and you put it on lamb, you put it on lamb, you never know it's lamb. No. <laughs> <laughs> You'll never know what it is to begin with. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, but you know, uh, uh, I don't know, or, or maybe they they thought the PCP was parsley, wild parsley. Yeah, because you could put parsley in a clam chowder. That'd be good. <laughs> I need clam yeah, chowder with wild good. parsley. <laughs> you, could, so, you could probably put put you know the green stuff in in clam chowder, and and sure, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be bad. Sure. Well, you could just make your roux out of butter, uh, you know, to thicken the yes. the sauce. So, um. But uh, anywho, uh, it's 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 a uh, uh, THC recipe time, Michelle and Ken. Um, so, <laughs> and uh, all right, so I've got some other uh, uh, fun interviews. Um, this one's a little bit long, um, eh, but I found it fascinating. He was asked in a 2011 interview with a fellow by the name of Ryan Nance. I found this on YouTube. Um, he was asked what, you know, to name five movies that influenced his career. And the first one was a really nice surprise to me because it's one of Susan's all time favorite movies. So, uh, check this out. Any five films that have influenced my career? Well, I have to say the 
The one that pops to mind first is a movie that Hal Ashby directed, who has always been one of my favorite directors, uh, and that was Harold and Maude. I remember I'd gotten to go study in England uh, my senior year in high school. I got out on early on a trimester, and uh, I got to go with, it was a, about 16 of us from area high schools in Fort Worth, Texas, and there was a, it was a semester abroad, and we ended up in Richmond-upon-Thames, which is kind of greater London. And, that, and I remember coming back from that, and I'd met a, a, a guy who was my age from another school of forward, Tom Huckabee, and, and he had an interest in filmmaking, and we decided to get into it together. Well, I came back, and I had a date one night, and I went to see this movie, Harold and Maude. I think I'd heard a little bit about it, but I didn't really know much about it. To me, the best movie experiences I've ever had were when I've seen films cold, where I yeah. didn't know anything about them. That's where I, I feel like I've been really transported and really pulled in into the screen and story. And I remember seeing Harold and Maude with this date, and I, it just, the movie just spoke to me. It was just, I guess, a generational film. And I remember coming out of the theater, and it was about nine o'clock, and I, I said to the date, I said, wasn't that the most unusual and wonderful movie you've ever seen? And she said, I didn't really get it. <laughs> and I was like, ah. Oh, Last date. I don't know what she said, but she just didn't have the same reaction I did. And that's, 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 that's what makes it a horse race, too. So I, I got her home. I feigned that I was kind of feeling under the weather and got her home as quick as I could so I could come back and see the last feature that night so I watched it again by myself and enjoyed it equally and I remember going to my dad right shortly after that and said do you know anybody in Hollywood I had another experience like that uh, a couple years later I'd been a student at NYU and I'd gone out to Casper Wyoming for the summer uh, my dad had told me there was a mineral boom out there and uh, he sold surveying instruments and he said, you can probably make some quick cash. And I needed some money pretty badly. Uh, I wanted to fix up a loft. And so I got out to Casper, Wyoming, and I was working on this uh, geranium drilling rig. And we worked out in the Red Desert. We were drilling these test holes. And they drop in a, a, a Geiger counter like our apparatus. And they were figuring out if there was enough uranium to mine job. there. And we worked long hours. We were out there all week. And um, I uh, remember staying with one of the guys, one of the co-workers had a trailer and I'd been staying in a hotel, kind of a rundown hotel in, Ta in Casper, Wyoming. And I, uh, he said, hey, you want to stay with me? And he had cable. And this was really kind of unusual for anybody to have cable back then. It was HBO. And I remember one afternoon he was out fixing his truck and I, this movie, The Man Who Would Be King, was coming on. And it was John Huston's version of the Roger Kipling story starring Sean Connery and, and uh, Michael Caine. And that was one of those, I, I kind of knew of the, of the story, but I didn't know what the story was. And that was another great experience I had watching a film. Uh, there's been so many, I'd have to say uh, um, probably one of Buster Keaton's films, uh, maybe The General or, or one of those, Sherlock Jr. or. Uh, uh, Gosh, what's the other one? Steamboat Bill Jr. is a big favorite of mine. A lot of junior movies. Yeah, again, the just different films. I remember another movie I saw that was that left an indelible impression on me. I remember going to Dallas 
uh, with my brother Bob. My father took us over, and this was back in 1969. And this, there was an X-rated movie, so it didn't even come to Fort Worth. It was playing in Dallas. It was Midnight Cowboy. And I remember seeing that the first time, and that really had a st strong influence on, on me and my brother. That was, uh, is that five? That's four, one more. That's four? That's so much better than I thought. Uh, great well, it's let's great think. What's an, oh, there's so many, gosh. I mean, you see great movies all the time. I was uh, really impressed and taken by 127 hours. I'm a huge fan of Danny Boyle. He's to be just such a, a consummate filmmaker. I have not seen that, and I have not seen uh, The Man Who Would Be King, and it, much like he said, I'm familiar with the story, but I've never seen that film. It's Sean Connery and Michael Caine? Oh my God, I gotta see that. I, I, I've never even heard of that film until until now. But what, what a fascinating work experience, Miles. He's out in the desert drilling holes uh, to drop Geiger counters in to see if it's worth mining for uranium. Hanging out with That's a guy... Not a job. I don't. I think. I don't think I would take that job. No. No. Thank you. Uh, well, at least you, they don't have to climb down in the holes. You have experience climbing well, down into holes. So true. Um. True. But radiation. Uh, yeah. yeah, that's a hard pass. Yeah, I understand. <laughs> but uh, but uh, how that that's a movie in and of itself. Hanging out and watching HBO in a trailer in the desert. And looking to see if there's, um, you know, uh, you know, uh, who's going to play Bill Paxton in the bio biopic? You know, uh, it, put your casting uh, uh, decisions out there. I don't know. I nobody could play Bill Paxton, Michelle. Who else can do it? That is that is a good good point. Um, probably some young up and comer yeah. nobody knows about. Yeah, the casting would be interesting for it. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, Joe, that's that's quite a story. Uh, you know, earning money to go into the desert and 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 <laughs> do do a job like that, and just wa again watching movies on somebody's HBO and in a trailer in the desert. As Miles said, I don't think it's a job I'd take. You don't want to be. Uh, you don't want glow in the dark. <laughs> so. Not my idea of. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I had to give ah, you that. <laughs> it'll turn you, it turn you into that, huh? Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. Weird science. Um, so <laughs> well, oddly enough, that wasn't even practical effects. Uh, 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 Bill Paxson actually just morphed into that version of Chet for weird science. Um, so <laughs> uh, all he had to do was uh, eat his favorite meal. How about a nice... Greasy pork sandwich served in a dirty ashtray. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, Michelle, that that is wild, isn't it? It's it, you know, th th he was a storyteller. Yes, and he had some really great stories. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there and you know, and, and I uh, the I think this will be the last thing I play before we go to the break, and you guys can give uh, some of your thoughts on on whatever. Um, but, uh, uh, this is an interview with Bill Paxton from 2008 on why he became an actor. And I kind of feel the same as him. There's a similarity that I have with why I do what I do, because my dad was always in love with radio. He's the guy who got me interested in old time radio and in talk radio and all that. And, you know, and I think deep down dad would have loved to do 
his own radio show. And you know, he you know, on the old show he he called in a few times and stuff like that and you know, and he and I used to do uh um we used to call um a local radio show that had a they, they had a talent show, a radio talent show. Uh W oh god. Youngstown Station, WKBN, I think. Oh, I don't even remember. No, uh, I, I can't remember what it was. But um, the, every time they had a talent show, my dad said, okay, here, he, he, he came up with this idea, is that uh, you're going to be Ken the Juggler, and you're going to call in, and you're going to juggle on the radio. And we did, we did two of them, and one was uh, juggling chainsaws. And we actually had a you know stretch the phone cord all the way out uh, from the kitchen to the to the outside, and this is before cordless phones, everybody. <laughs> and uh, and and I'm out there, and he was taking the chainsaw and like you know kind of slowly, kind of you know oscillating it and you know moving it so <laughs> the sound would change, and then uh, and then. He screamed, and I'm like, I gotta go. <laughs> and um, and then there was another one where I was juggling handguns, and uh, uh, he uh, he had his 22 pistol and shot it into a bale of hay or into the ground or something like that. And I'm like, I gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> so I never, we never won the talent show, but I, I really think, he, you know, he, he was into comedy. He was into radio and stuff like that. And this story from Bill Paxton, um, I, I can relate to what he's saying here uh, about why he became an actor. So listen to this. I think my dad wanted to be an actor. I think the only reason I'm sitting here right at this very moment is because I, I wanted to fulfill my father's dreams. I think a lot of children end up trying to carry out dreams that their parents maybe were not able to pursue or fulfill. And in a way, my dad should have been an actor. He, he's, he, and, and so I guess it really was his, from his influence growing up in Fort Worth, Texas and going to plays and movies the TCU uh, Playhouse had an inc incredible theater department in the 60s and early 70s when I was growing up down there. Coming out of movies, my dad would talk about, he'd talk about the lighting or, or the, the actor's tailor or, or he would call attention to the artifice of films. And I started really falling in love with the illusion of acting. And, and as I fell in love with acting, I was really falling in love with the lighting, the art direction, the music, the set the photography all of it yeah so uh, so i, I can kind of relate to that on a certain level and uh oddly enough i don't know if you guys know this but my dad actually was an actor uh briefly um for a few years in the early 2000s um he uh never did anything very big but he he signed up for like an agency and stuff and did some small budget and i've been trying to find See, I'm really angry at my sister for throwing out a bunch of VHS tapes because uh, that weren't properly labeled because or didn't have sleeves because I think she might have thrown out something that he was in. Um, but I'm I still have some of them, so I'm trying to find. He was in um, like a, a jury duty instruction video, and he was also in. He played a security guard in some kind of low budget um, thriller horror kind of movie. And he did something else. I don't remember what it was, but that was the thing. I was trying to go through and find the stuff he did. He did like three acting gigs. Um, so, 
but yeah, he always was fascinated with radio, and again, you know, encouraged me to, you know, again with Ken the Juggler, my first radio stuff I ever did, and you know, um, and I used to do like fake little radio shows on cassette tapes and stuff like that with my friends back in the eighties. Uh, we had a stupid channel. We a made up radio channel called WPOP. <laughs> so, um, but uh, but yeah. So I, I I found that quite touching, Joe. That he he said you know, um, you know a lot of lot of children kind of um, live out their parents' dreams. Yeah, I think that's true of uh, a lot of people. I know it is of me. So. Well, and your mother was very active politically. I know you've talked uh, uh, very highly of her, and uh, said she was a oh, real yeah, firebrand, and uh, obviously inspired you to be politically active. Um, you know, from the '60s till today. So, sure, sure, sure. You know, our parents do uh, influence our our life choices, and uh, certainly she did mine, and uh, mm-hmm. like your father with radio. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but uh, nice little story there, Michelle. You know, I mean, he was he, he, he was a he was just a good good guy. Yeah, he seemed that way. Every interview I saw on him, he didn't, you know, and he played he has played some crappy people in movies. I know, but... I know. <laughs> I mean, the you know the things that <laughs> just the Terminator scenes. <laughs> you <know>? Yes. <laughs> You know, some of his early stuff, uh, you know. Fuck you, asshole. <laughs> uh, but yeah, and then there's this real thoughtful, introspective guy doing the interviews. So, I mean, and this is why we, we you know, we say you got to understand these these are actors. They're, they, they pl- they're pretend playing on the screen. So, um, but uh, but yeah, Miles, uh, before we go to the break, uh, a- any comments on, on that uh, story or anything else uh, uh, before we roll along? Uh, I'm good. No, it's that's uh, that's cool stuff. Yeah, I I uh, I truly dig um, dig what where he was coming from on all fronts. But yeah, so when we come back, uh, we're gonna get into some uh, weird science stuff and um, uh, get ready. And w- w- we can take our time because it would be nice to talk a little bit more about uh, the you know the. The Holy Trinity of Bill Paxton being killed by a Terminator, an alien, and a Predator. The only guy in existence. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, so we'll have a lot to talk about. And of course, uh, you know, lots more fun audio. Again, King of the One-Liners. But we'll be right back with more It Came From Cleveland right after this. And now, on with the show. Hey, I think this guy's a couple cans short of a six-pack. It's going to be a good night. It came from Cleveland, Ohio. A land of strange rituals. The savage horrors of fearsome mutated beasts. Back from the dead. Kept alive by experimental science. Science runs amok when human beings tamper with unknown forces. Cut the power! Now at last... 
The real shocking story can be told. We are giving you all the evidence based only on the secret testimony of the miserable souls who survived this terrifying ordeal. A nightmare combination of shock and terror. And you're invited. A foolish hunter. Something evil. It came from Cleveland and did an interview with Oprah. Not recommended for impressionable children. Yeah, not this show. Not with all the Bill Paxton clips. <laughs> oh yeah, there's, Fuck there's you, some asshole. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of good stuff coming up. So, uh, anyway, welcome back, Michelle, Miles, and Joel to the show. Now, I want to discuss a little bit of uh, what everybody remembers about weird science because let me tell you something. I can say this, there are movies that do not age well, comedy-wise, and and we just talked about one last week, because it starred one of the same people as in Weird Science, that was The Breakfast Club, Anthony Michael Hall, his, um, his little voice that he did, uh, where he would kind of mock, uh, you know, how African Americans speak was really bad and he did it in this too and i was like oh that's just painful to even watch any scene with him but now on the other hand and and not to mention that the the stuff in uh true lies oh from bill paxton <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> i rewatched some of that and i was like i'm not recording that <laughs> You know, um, I mean, they're, they're, but yeah, I mean, uh, I don't know. Now, Joe, is, is Weird Science a movie you've, you've seen before, or is that something that wouldn't have necessarily been in your wheelhouse? That wasn't there. <laughs> no, I never saw the movie. No, okay. What uh, Did you see True Lies with him and Schwarzenegger? Yes. Yeah, so, uh, but yeah, there's 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 some pretty rough, uh, rough talk in there. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but... Uh, but yeah, it, it, you know, and and Miles, Weird Science, you've seen it? It's been so long. Is that the one where they invent a girl? Yeah, yeah, with a computer and they put a bra on their head and stuff like that. Okay. It, yeah. Oh, uh, it's. Uh, I'm trying to. Is that is Val Kilmer in that? No, uh-uh, no. Um, no, that was real okay. genius. <laughs> real genius. <laughs> oh, my God. With Al Kilmer. Yeah. And Zapped was the one with Scott Baio. <laughs> yeah, wow. so no, Weird Science, gosh. It's probably been 30 years since I've seen it. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, it, it's been a long time since I've seen it in its entirety. But it, seriously, the movie, the entire movie for me, so forgettable. Except for um, uh, pretty much, uh, what, what was the the actress uh, in that Michelle? Um, oh gosh, she was in. You're asking the wrong person. I know right. I can picture her face, but I don't. Yeah, remember. she was in uh, Woman in Red with uh, Gene Wilder too, and I'm trying to remember. Uh, uh, weird science. Um, uh, 1985 film, and the cast is. Uh, Kelly LeBrock. So, uh, and Ian Mitchell Smith was in it too. Oh, Robert Downey Jr. had a small part in it as well. Um, I forgot about that. He was like one of the mall punks or something like that. So, but, uh, yeah, old RJD. But anyway, 
Uh, you know, but to me, you know, Kelly LeBrock and Bill Paxton were the most memorable things about the movie. And, um, uh, yeah, so uh, in, uh, oh, and I just want to say welcome, uh, Clinster. Uh, I think this might be the first show that he's listened to. He's, uh, back with, back with us over here on Radio for Humans, and we appreciate it. And I know it's been a tumultuous year for everybody, um, but, uh, we're trying to, trying to normalize things and, and having some fun, uh, the four of us here every Friday. Um, and of course, we're also doing Time for Go to Bed, Susan and I, our new show. We just did our second episode last night. Thank you, Joe, for hanging out with us last night, by the way. We appreciate that. Oh, it's always fun. And yeah, I like we, uh, kiddo. Yeah, we want to get you on to uh, do the Lassie cereal with us. Uh, I think we're going to do our, our our cereals on that show, so we'll, we'll talk about that. Um, okay. Because, by the way, I, I don't know if you knew this, in the Lassie cereal, the Lassie's uh, sidekick was Frank Weatherwax. Did you know that? It, it, so no, a, fic a fictionalized version of one of the Weatherwaxes, I believe, uh, because it, you know there was no Frank Weatherwax that you know of, right? Uh, yeah, there was. Oh, um, there was. If I'm not mistaken, um, how about me? I think yeah, I think that was uh, might have been a brother. Oh, okay. Red. So yeah, so the, we will hear the name Weatherwax in there, um, but yeah, we, but we'll we'll talk about that because we're we're starting to get into some old serials and stuff, we're trying to look at all kinds of different angles of uh, audio storytelling I, on that show. I do have about six or seven episodes. Yeah, I think the last nice. Yeah, I think there's a total of eight, um, and uh, I can procure them as well, but. But anyway, uh, yeah, so we'll, we'll talk about that more later. But yeah, right now, for and just so everybody knows, Time for Go to Bed is on from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern every Thursday on Radio for Humans. Um, and uh, so here we go. All right, we're, we're going to let's meet Chet all over again in Weird Science. This is, uh, I believe, the first scene he was in when um, the kid who played his brother, which was uh, Ian. Um, Ian Mitchell Smith, I don't know of anything else he did, uh, but Bill Paxson certainly want, went on to have quite the illustrious career. But this, he comes home late, and um, uh, and Chet is glad to stand in for the parents when the parents are away, and uh, <laughs> extorts his younger brother for his silence. You stood, buttwad. <laughs> for me. Know what time it is? Um, two? Time to pay the fiddler. Um, I was kind of counting on you to be human about this. Here's the bottom line, Wyatt. I'm telling Mom and Dad everything. I'm even considering making up some shit. <laughs> All right, Chet, name your price. $175 and zero cents. Cash. New bills, crisp and clean. In my wallet by 7 a.m. Thank you. Hey, what are big brothers for? <laughs> I just love $175 and zero cents. <laughs> Um, no, that was, that was pretty incredible. 
Uh, and uh, God, he was just such a douche in that movie. And again, you know, Michelle watching these interview clips and, and hearing the interview clips after all the awful jerky characters he's played. It's so fu- you know, it's 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 so stunning to see what really a great actor he is. You know. Yeah, it's really nice to see an actor that's that's a really f- fun, good person. You know, when he's talking in interviews and being nice, and, you know, he's 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 a pleasant uh, interviewee, mm-hmm. especially when he's played a lot of really crappy roles throughout his life. Yeah. So it, yeah, and, and he nice. he took real pleasure in playing awful characters too. Uh, I, I did see a, a a quick interview with him saying, "Oh yeah, it's it's so so fun and freeing just to play somebody who's awful." And, uh, and that was, so that was the thing when, which was such a surprise to me for, you know, watching Big Love, when you saw Bill Paxson being such a jerk for so many years or just being kind of, you know, your everyman kind of thing, when seeing him in Big Love when he was being really introspective and, and you know, and having these, these solid convictions that weren't trying to harm anyone, you know, it was, uh, it, it was quite the, you know, uh, 180 uh, from what I was used to from him, and of course, you know he. Um, I saw an interview now. Uh, uh, Miles, you've seen Twister, right? The the um oh, tornado, tornado that movie. the weather van tra- tra- uh movie. Yeah, yeah. It, where the chasers, the tornado chasers. Yeah, the yeah. Exactly. I have yeah. I have more well, memory of that than I do of Weird Science. Well, it, it was interesting because he was talking about you know I did. He's like I. He basically said I did a couple paycheck movies, and Twister was one of them. And basically saying because he wanted to go and do he. He's like I wanted to have that paycheck so I could start my own production company and I could go do more thoughtful movies because he said people aren't going to be talking about the acting in Twister. They're going to be saying how cool the tornadoes are or how cool it is seeing cows flying through the air. Um, so <laughs> fair point. So yeah, I was you just know, thinking about that. They're going to remember the flying cow. Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but and and so Joe, you know that the, the, he was able to go on and do some really really cool movies. I don't know if you've seen it, Joe, but uh, I need to rewatch it. A Simple Plan. Do you remember that movie? No, but Twister. Yeah. Yeah. Wasn't Helen Hunt in that one? Yes, he and Helen Hunt were the leads in that. So I, um, <laughs> I know Bob Weatherwax has another name for. No, her. I'm not going. There. <laughs> <laughs> I am not going there. No, oh, I can no. just guess. <laughs> it wouldn't rhyme with her last name. Let me just say it. that Helen Hunt was not one of the more pleasant people on a set. Yeah. Oh, nice. And oh, she no. developed uh, a nickname. Oof. Yeah. I bet. <laughs> well, um, but a simple plan. Uh, this is this is funny. You guys will get a kick out of this. Um, a simple plan. Uh, before uh, Bill Paxton's father passed, well, I don't know. Uh, well, anyway, Bill Paxton's father wrote a letter to Sam Raimi, who directed A Simple Plan, and it, we all know Sam Raimi, Evil Dead, the Spider-Man movies, doing the upcoming Doctor Strange. Um, uh, what was the movie? Uh, Drag Me to Hell was that the horror movie he did, Michelle? Sounds familiar. Uh, um, I can look it up real quick. No, no bothers. I think I think it was called Drag Me to Hell. But you know, he's he's done other horror movies. He just did one about, or was a producer on that crocodile movie that came out a couple of years ago. Um, 
But uh, yeah, so Sam Raimi, uh, a pretty familiar name. Um, Bill Paxton's father wrote him a, a really glowing letter. I saw this interview with Conan. I didn't think we'd have time to get it. I should have just gotten it. But he did this interview with Conan and said, my dad, my dad wrote Sam Raimi a really nice letter and uh, sneaked his way into a small part in the movie without Bill Paxton knowing. So his dad actually did get to be an actor briefly in a simple plan. And uh, so that was that was pretty interesting. So now I want to go back and rewatch it because of that. Um, and he said a lot of the one-liners he used in the show, in the movies, uh, even the one in um, the one about buttermilk in, um, uh, in True Lies from the, the car scene. Um, he said that was one, his dad was a traveling salesman and, and, and somebody told him that line, uh, or, you know, it made that, you know, crack. And, and, and so a lot of his one-liners, uh, his dad inspired him to use a lot of them. So that was pretty interesting. Um, but yeah, his so. dad has, his dad has a nice little list of filmography. He has 16 acting credits. Not bad. Well, there you go. So his dad get, did get to, I, I think maybe he. When he said his dad should have been an actor, maybe he meant his dad should have been as big an actor as, as uh, you know, a bigger actor than he was, I suppose. Well, one, one, of, one of those credits is another movie that Bill Paxton was in, and it's one of the trailers I picked out. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Very he was nice. in Brain Dead. Oh, nice, nice. So that was before A Simple Plan. Uh, I think Brandon was well, on that. There's the that's the movie of confusion because it has Bill Paxton and Bill Pullman. <laughs> so I can tell the difference. Can you? Um, and uh, but yeah. So anyway, I, I kind of diverged here, and we're gonna go to break a little bit early to give uh, make sure Miles and Michelle have enough time to talk about their Paxton stuff. Um, but uh, I want to play the next uh, clip from uh, Weird Science where. Uh, Kelly LeBrock's character in Weird Science has transformed him in, into a, a horribly grotesque beast. Um, or again, it could have just been the uh, the you know radioactive uh, mining job he got that did it. Uh, and and he decides to uh, it, uh, Kelly LeBrock says, "Well, I'll change you back on one condition. You got to be nice to your brother and his friend." And, um, and then. Uh, the his brother comes home at the end of the movie to see him in in the condition he's in and this is how that goes Chet. hi dudes i'm sorry wyatt i'm sorry for being such a shit to you all these years and gee well uh, i want you to know that i love you <laughs> <laughs> That's nasty, Wyatt. That's Chet, Gary. Oh my God! Yeah, I used to use that for Steve Bannon. Uh, so <laughs> But uh, but yeah, so that that that's probably the most memorable thing about Weird Science, and the funniest thing about Weird Science, not Anthony Michael Hall. I have nothing against Anthony Michael Hall as an actor now, um, but he was a kid. I get it. But yeah, he was not funny, and he never should have been on Saturday Night Live. 
So you remember yeah. that when Anthony Michael Hall was a cast member at SNL for like a year? I actually have no memory of that. Yeah, yeah neither it, do I. I guess it, it, that was it was that memorable. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, but uh, yeah, every time I saw him on Saturday Night Live, I was like, "Fuck you, asshole!" Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but, uh, anyway, um, any other Bill Paxton, um, uh, uh, movies that we haven't already talked about or, uh, are planning to talk about that you want to give mention to, uh, uh, Joe, is there, is there a movie that we haven't mentioned, uh, that, that you enjoyed him in? Aliens. Well, Aliens is coming up because uh, he, he had okay. some great lines in that. That was, that was, uh, great stuff. So... And, uh, yeah, I remember sure. mostly for that and, uh, <laughs> ironically, Twister. Well, yeah, there you go. And uh, and he had a great bit part in Terminator, too. And again, that the, the single distinction, Clinster, thank you, <laughs> he pointed it out last night, the only guy to ever be killed by a Terminator, an alien, and a Predator. And we have the audio evidence to prove that when we come back from break. So, uh, but, uh, uh, but Miles, as your reward, uh, for your, your question, uh, to the robots, we'll go to break a little bit early and, uh, make sure you get to talk, uh, we get to talk enough about aliens and, uh, Predator 2 if you want to and Terminator, uh, if you want. And I got a little bit of audio for, um, for at least Terminator and, uh, aliens for sure. Um, but yeah, so are you on the edge of your seat, Miles? But the robot's ready, ready. answering your question. Yeah. Are you sure yeah. you're ready for it? You positive? No. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if you can, I don't know if you can handle it. Um, but anyway, all right. So here we go. Uh, coming up uh, from Adam Hebert, his mythical moment number seven about Osiris, one of my favorite Egyptian gods, and uh, the robots take a little time to answer Miles' question that he uh, submitted recently, so thank you for that. We'll be right back with more It Came From Cleveland right after this. How about a nice greasy pork sandwich served in a dirty ashtray? For Radio for Humans, and it came from Cleveland, this is Adam Hebert with Mythical Moment number 7, Osiris, Mummy Dearest. The myth of Osiris' death and rebirth is significant in Egyptian myth for a variety of reasons. It helps establish many rituals associated with Egypt's people. It helps establish various aspects of their culture, such as dietary concerns. And finally, it sets up the Egyptian pantheon that would become the one best known. Here is his story. Osiris inherited power from his parents, Geb and Nut. He proved to be a wise and just ruler and was beloved by gods and mortals. This upset his brother Set, the god of storms, who seethed with jealousy for his brother and developed a plan to be rid of him forever. He had an elaborate chest made using Osiris' exact measurements and at a great banquet, he said he will give the special Osiris-sized chest to whoever can fit inside of it perfectly. <laughs> the guests at the party decide that this is a fun party game, taking turns and not fitting inside. Finally, Osiris's turn came, and surprise, he fit. And as soon as he lay in the chest, Set slammed the lid shut, sealed it, and threw it into the Nile River. 
The chest floated out to sea, eventually arriving at the city of Byblos. There it rests, and eventually a tree grew around and consumed it. The king of the city eventually takes a liking to this special tree, and has it cut down to be used as a pillar in his palace. Chest, god, and all. Isis eventually shows up to collect her husband, extracting the chest from the tree which eventually was worshipped by the people of Byblos. She then returned to Egypt to use potent magics to revive her husband. However, before she could, Set struck again, dismembering Osiris' corpse. Isis manages to collect all the pieces except for Osiris' penis, which had been consumed by a fish. From this comes the Egyptian taboo of eating fish. Isis manages to piece the corpse back together, recreating Osiris' missing member using her magic, and wraps the corpse in linen bandages to prepare it for resurrection, making Osiris the first mummy. Isis' magic works to breathe life back into Osiris, but only long enough for her to lay with him and conceive their child Horus, who would eventually avenge his father against Set. He then died once more and went to the land of the dead, where he would reside as its ruler forevermore. Isis, meanwhile, would go into hiding from Set, who was aware of her pregnancy and was terrified that the unborn child Osiris would come after him for the throne. This fear would eventually prove to be entirely justified when Horus does in fact come for Set to avenge his father, making him one of Myth's first Avengers. For Radio for Humans, and it came from Cleveland, this has been Adam Hebert. Reminding you that you should be wary of people who come to parties with games involving objects specifically built to your exact measurements. Back to you, Kenny. Background music is Medieval Fantasy Adventure by Alexander Nakarada, who can be found at www.serpentsoundstudios.com, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 4.0 license. Thanks, Alexander. It's time to check in with the robots. Our question this week comes from Miles who is a host on this stupid it came from Cleveland show. I bet this question will be a doozy. Miles asks, when receiving robocalls offering extensions on my vehicle's warranty, how do I know which offer to take? What a bigot. Does Miles think we know every single robot? I don't know a single robocaller. Perhaps it's time to make some new friends. Do you know a robocaller other robot fellow? Oh yeah my buddy Harvey was a robocaller for many years. We met in Robit camp when we were just a handful of ones and zeros. Let me give him a call. I should tell you about the double date we had with the IBM twins. Oh what a grand adventure of sexual robot exploration that was. Are the good old days. I think that happened 2 weeks ago or maybe 1000 years in the future. I'm not too good with specifics. Let me call Harvey. Excuse me.
he must have taken his phone off the hook. So many people are trying to take advantage of extensions on their vehicle warranties and I'm sure he is simply overwhelmed. Poor sweet Harvey. That poor robocaller. He must be exhausted from the constant demand of extensions on vehicle warranties. Perhaps you know another robocaller you can contact other robot fellow. I may just know one more robocaller from my sordid robot sexual past. There was another robocaller I chanced upon in a bus station in Des Moines. A husky boy that gave the best extensions on vehicle warranties the world had ever seen. His name was Philip the Muscle. Philip the Muscle? Yes. Philip the Muscle. He was a husky boy. Good with extensions on vehicles warranties among other favors. Special favors. Super duper special favors. Call that husky boy now. I want special favors. And extensions on my vehicle's warranty. Hot extensions. Special favor extensions. I have a better idea. Oh yeah, what is that? We should just start our own robocaller center and offer extensions on vehicle warranties that are the best ones in the world. I'm in. Let's do it. I recommend the Platinum Diamond Plus plan. Miles will love that one. It only costs one gallon of bone marrow and 12 freshly pulled teeth. We'll even clean the blood off of them. Thanks Miles for your great question. Yes thanks Miles. I hope that helped. Oh those wacky robots. Thanks so much. Be sure to send your listener questions to Kenny Pick for the robots to answer. There's man's law and there's God's law. And I think you know which side I'm on. Yeah, I guess so. Anyway, uh, Miles, uh, were you impressed? Yeah, 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 I know. Uh, yeah, I, I'm pretty sure I'll know how to handle those robocalls from moving, moving forward. Platinum Diamond Plus plan. Sounds like a bargain. <laughs> you, got a gallon, you got a gallon of bone marrow and 12 teeth to spare? <laughs> uh, sadly, no. I uh, uh, I spent it on uh, 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 robotic erotica. Oh, okay. It's or do you mean life of robots? Robitica, uh, robotic, erotica. <laughs> anyway, I guess Joe, you're gonna have to ask the robots a question for next week because we've answered uh, every other uh, co-host uh, on the program's questions. Oh, yeah, I already. I have a question for them. All right. Uh, yeah. Uh, you, I want to know what they use for toilet paper. Is it the aluminum foil or mylar? Uh-oh. I think you're going to offend them, but we'll find out. Uh, hey, next that's Friday. Right. That's my job. Next Friday. <laughs> so uh, anyway, and Michelle, uh, welcome back to you. Uh, and, of course, you got your question answered about uh, what was it? Uh, what was yours about? Um, uh Oh gosh, we've done so many of these. I've lost track of everybody's questions. Yeah, I, I forgot. <laughs> uh, I have uh, just so you guys know, I have uh, over twenty minutes now of of robots. So at some point when we take a night off, I'll play all the robots stuff as a special. <laughs> so we just got to get up to three hours. So it'll take some time. 
but uh, is this yes. going to compete with the best of the clown car at Christmas? Because uh, I'm not liking that. Yeah, it could be could be some competition. So Universal Uh-oh. Healthcare was yours, Michelle. Yours was number five. So oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, there we go. Uh, yeah, we've we've uh, um, yeah we uh, what was uh, I forget what all of them were, but yeah, there's some good stuff. Uh, what aerobics eat was the first one. That was the the uh, co- uh, the Pizza Planet episode. By the way, Pizza Planet is a real defunct business around the corner from our house. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if I mentioned it, but um, it is an actual place. Uh, but anyway, yeah, so Miles, uh, we're, we're going to talk more about Bill Paxton and um, w- one of his uh, amazing distinctions. And uh, I, I, do you want me to set it up with uh, the, the, the trio of, of deaths at the hand of a Terminator, an alien, and a Predator? Yeah, yeah, that's a good setup. All right, so here we go. This is uh, th- this is our montage of Bill Paxton being slaughtered. In a minute and five seconds. Nice night for a walk. Wash day tomorrow. Nothing clean, right? <laughs> Nothing clean, right? Hey, I think this guy's a couple cans short of a six pack. You're close. Give them to me now. Fuck you, asshole. <laughs> all three deaths in a minute and five seconds miles yeah he's uh, uh, uh let's dance uh, uh bill paxton uh had some memorable uh yeah one liners of course the the most i i would say one of his most famous ones is the game over man long, yes that's uh, it man you know, it's game over man it's game over what the fuck are we gonna uh, express- do now what are we gonna do there you go yeah, Express uh, Elevator to Hell going down. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that Express so. Elevator to Hell going down. Right. So he had, uh, um, apparently he was friends with the uh, the director, which is escaping me. James Cameron. Right, James Cameron. So, uh, you know, Cameron mentions this movie about, you know, uh, a- aliens and, and to him and, and he's like, well, great. I hope you hope you write a cool part for me in it. And uh, yeah, <laughs> so apparently Bill <laughs> uh, Paxton auditioned, right? And his energy level for his readings was so high that they're like, yeah, we got to put. They they decided to put him in the comic relief role of Hudson. Uh, so, because uh, Michael Bain, actually, Michael Bain was not the first uh, actor's choice for uh, Hicks. Uh, there was another actor, and he got, and Michael Bain came in later. But anyway, so 
Um, Carrie Henn played Newt on, mm-hmm. um, and apparently, uh, Paxton would continuously apologize to the little girl <laughs> for all the bad words that he would say <laughs> while shooting the movie. And she said that she didn't mind because she didn't understand what most of them meant anyway. And um, another thing that she uh, credited, I think this was she mentioned this after his death in 2017 because everyone gathered together, mm-hmm. all the actors, you know, to, you know, as a tribute to him. And she mentioned that between shoots that Bill Paxton would sit with her and just, you know, either entertain her or make her feel comfortable or, you know, just, he would just hang out with a little girl. Just, just uh, you know, with all these adults going around doing crazy stuff. And he took the time to, you know, you know, that that's a cool thing, you know. Yeah. Uh, make a kid feel like a person, you know. It does. That's, that's what it I've does. always done as an uncle. I mean, you know, my nieces and nephews, I always just try to relate to them uh, on, you know, because, you know, you know uh, and, and I'm sure you and Michelle are the same way and Joe probably is as well as we we like all kinds of stuff not just the stuff we grew up on so we can talk to kids about you know newer stuff that they might be interested in you know yeah yeah having a wide uh repertoire of stuff to 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 do um so bill paxton went into the marine base basic training for, for role research of to be a soldier Wow. Uh, all of the um, characters did that, except Michael Bain, who, of course, replaced the actor uh, later. Uh, but, uh, yeah, Bill Paxton went through uh, Marine basic training. And Cameron had all of the characters playing soldiers personalize their body armor. Much oh. the same that soldiers did in Vietnam. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so for Bill Paxton, it's it said that uh, one of the sayings on his armor was, uh, contents under pressure do not puncture. <laughs> and he had the name Louise on his armor, and that is a dedication to his real-life wife, Louise Newberry. Oh, this I did not know. That's very cool. Yeah, that is cool. So, everyone remember the knife scene with Bishop? Lance Henriksen? Uh, doing the knife between the fingers? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, that scene um, was uh, came from um, like another movie or something like not, I don't know, Dark Star or something like that. Anyway, so... That scene was supposed to just be Lance Hendrickson doing the scene. And Lance Hendrickson went up to Cameron and went, you know, like, eh, I don't think this scene, I don't think this scene will be enough. You know, I think it needs a little extra. And so they talked and, and Cameron agreed. And every actor was brought in on it except Bill Paxton. And so Lance Henriksen, uh, this, I think the character's name was Drake, the big, uh, the other big gun uh, holder in, in Aliens. He, okay. He's the one that gets behind Bill Paxton and puts him in a headlock. 
Yep, it's Drake. And they they force they force um, Bill Paxton's hand down on the table, and Lance Henriksen puts his hand over, and then he starts doing the knife trick. So Bill Paxton's just there screaming, <laughs> ah! you know, as as, as <laughs> and I think in a reshoot of that scene, I think they shot it more than once. Bill Paxton actually nipped Paxton's finger. Uh, Hendrickson nipped. Uh, Hendrickson nipped. Uh, I think I've head. heard this before. I think you're. I think you're right. Uh, so that's that. That these are. Uh, <laughs> well, you know that that actually the uh, the Alien movies. That's I guess that's kind of a tradition too because uh, in the first Alien movie, I don't remember the character's name. Michelle probably does. But uh, the other uh, female crew member in the first Alien movie, not Ripley. Um, oh, yeah, I know oh, who you're talking Lambert? about. I don't remember her name offhand. Lambert? Yeah. Um, uh, thank you, Miles. Um, and uh, I should have said, oh, I knew Miles. You know Alien Inside Out. Um, <laughs> Chestburster, Alien Inside Out, Facehugger. Uh, <laughs> but uh, they, they didn't uh, tell her about the Chestburster scene and all the right. blood and all the blood that was going to spray out so her reaction on camera was was very real yes yes that's you know it, um it's it's cool when a uh, a director knows the things to do in order to get legitimate reactions mm -hmm. from from the actors um just a quick side note uh, Carrie Hen the the actress that played Newt you remember the scene where she drops down the, the air duct shaft? Yeah. Apparently that was constructed and it was three stories tall. And she had so much fun that she would intentionally botch her scene so she'd have to shoot it over and <laughs> over. <laughs> and finally, James yeah, Cameron had had enough. And he went to her and he said, okay, look get this right okay and then you can play on it as much as you want yeah so he got the shot that's funny <laughs> he knew what to do to get her to get the give him the scene so that's hysterical uh yeah yeah um so anyway what was the uh, uh terminator well, I, I have I have a little bit uh, uh, something kind of uh, super uh, relevant um, uh, to the Alien franchise that Bill Paxton, okay. his character of uh, uh, Lieutenant, um, no, a private, what was his name again? Hudson. Hudson, yeah. Uh, he introduced a concept in Aliens that uh, his character introduced a concept in Aliens that uh, would, would run throughout the, the course of the series, and that's the idea of an alien queen. Well, that's great. That's oh, no. Fucking great, Sorry, man. that's not the one. <laughs> uh, this is it. Maybe it's like an ant hive. Bees, man. Bees have hives. You know what I mean. There's like one female that runs the whole show. Yes, the queen. Yeah, the mama. She's badass, man. I mean, big. These things ain't ants. I know you know. that. I know that. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so I mean that that's a huge thing that that uh, went on all the way up to Alien Covenant, uh, the Alien Queen. 
Um, so, yeah. so, so that's a, you know, he, he had a very, other than just the great one-liners and stuff, he, um, he had a very, very cool, um, integral part to the franchise. Uh, but I, I might as well, let me play this one over because, you know, the, the pretty shit, uh, one. Well, that's great. That's just fucking great, man. Now what the fuck are we supposed to do? We're some real pretty shit now, man. You finished. Are you finished? Yeah, I'm finished. Yeah. <laughs> Joe, what are you? What, so, aliens. Uh, uh, give us your thoughts on on aliens. Yeah, I, I, um, the first two alien, the first first two alien movies were my favorite. I wasn't uh, that thrilled with the, the subsequent uh, series, but uh, Aliens was probably the best of the series, in my view. I agree. Well, it, it's de- it, the, the thing is what what James Cameron was was able to do was um, take a a, a a classic space horror film and make a sequel to it that was uh, like uh, uh, an action, you know, explosion, um, you know, movie. You know, so so it's kind of like the the two movies are are like polar opposites really you know right, the, yeah. the, the oh, first absolutely. one's a, a slow burn you know uh um, yeah so so yeah, yeah. It, uh, uh, apparently in the aliens movie the word uh fuck is used 25 times and 18 of those times is Bill Paxton. <laughs> so, uh, that's, that's, that's definitely he was doing all that apologizing. Heavy hardcore yeah. apologizing. Fuck also, you, asshole. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Bill How do Paxton, I get out of this okay, chicken shit outfit? All right, go ahead, Miles. I'm sorry. It's, it's fine. So the um, uh, in, in American studios, the uh, crews are you know they're hired by the production and what have you, but over in um, Britain, where a lot of this was shot, the um, British crews, they weren't used to working 12-hour days. And so Bill Paxton complained about how <laughs> the, the British film crew drove everyone nuts because they would stop shooting. They would just stop just so they could have tea or <laughs> go to a pub or finish early. So apparently the... Uh, British work ethic was not uh, something that the American actors were too keen on. <laughs> well, no, I mean, and after all, you know, uh, he was used to eating bowls of PCP soup and drinking a case of beer afterwards. Oh, yeah. After a long, hard day at work. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Was moved to the. Oh, okay. Hudson's boasting monologue. Aboard the dropship uh, was originally scripted and filmed to occur before the ship is dropped. It was moved to editing. Oh, moved to occur in the ship while it is in mid-flight. Ah, this explains why Hudson's out of his seat. Okay, so there was an editing issue talking about yeah. when Bill Paxton's big speech happened. Oh, I have an editing issue with the Twilight Zone episode we're going to be talking about later. Uh, of course. Uh, another pass- another uh, little nugget. Um, Bill Paxton's character is the inspiration for Guy Fleegman in Galaxy Quest. 
I've seen Galaxy Quest. I don't remember who Guy Fleegman is. Is he was uh, the he was the the side character that had a name, and if you didn't have a name, you were gonna die. And he was the um, I, I by the end of the movie, he had a name. It's like so and so the third. You know, it was like a he was the um, like the secured of oh, the red shirt equivalent. Okay. All right, yeah, it's been a while. Um, that was a good movie, and Sigourney Weaver was in that, by the way. Yes, she was. Um, uh, let me see. Uh, I'm looking up Galaxy. Getting was. getting her jump sh- jump uh, suit getting torn in strategic places. That was her role. <laughs> <laughs> I have one job, one one stupid job. Uh, I think I have that clip. Uh, yeah, this, uh... Look, I have one job on this lousy ship. It's stupid, but I'm gonna do it, okay? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Alan, no, uh, let me see. Uh, Sam Rockwell! Oh, okay, Sam Rockwell's great. He's been in a lot of awesome stuff. He was in Moon, and, uh, what was the movie that the... Joe, you remember that biopic about, uh, the host of the Gong Show? Oh God! What was his name? Oh, uh, Chuck Barris. Chuck yeah, Barris. Yes. That like, mm-hmm. you know, like oh, he was an international spy and a game show host kind of thing. <laughs> but yeah, that Sam Rockwell from that, and he's been in a ton of stuff. I think he was in. Uh, wasn't he? Didn't he play a character in the Iron Man franchise too? So I'll look it up. But anyway, um, yeah, Miles, go ahead. Um, I, I, I have some other nuggets because you know me I, I, military history I, I want to touch on this the M56 smart guns those are the big guns that were mounted on smart or still camera what are those what are those still shot camera mounts on um, Vasquez and Drake um, uh, uh, are those swivel mounts uh, steady cam steady cam Thank steady cams right so they were MG42s. They were designed around the German MG42, and the MG42 is the machine gun that was famous for in uh, the Normandy landing. That mm-hmm. would just butcher uh, the American troops coming in because the rate of fire of those guns was so high. Yeah, um, and it, it's just scary. But that's that's what those guns were based on, and the gun is so heavy. That the Velcro uh, straps that held the Steadicam harnesses to the actors' bodies were insufficient, <laughs> so they had to duct tape these harnesses onto Vasquez. <laughs> hey, duct tape fixes Drake. everything. Yeah, yeah. No, I, yeah, I, I just rewatched that oh, scene too. It was a very, very, very cool scene uh, where they. Uh, uh, set up the guns and then you know pitch the canister in to see if they work and everything and then oh, seal the seal the quarter. Yes. Yeah. So. Um, oh yeah. So uh, you know it's sad that uh, Hicks' character died, but that's that's normal in these scenes. You know, uh, but he went down swinging. You know, it's not like he had a sad or pathetic death like in Terminator. He he actually was. Uh, you know, he went down swinging. So that that's a yeah. that's a noble. It's a noble death. 
as, as you say. And that that's probably the scene that racked up a lot of the, the FUs too. So. <laughs> yeah. Fuck you, um, asshole. So. <laughs> Uh, that's from Terminator though. But yeah, the, the, uh, the, yeah, there, there were a lot of FUs. The, the, his death scene in, uh, in that, uh, there was a lot, I think that was probably about at least, uh, 25% of them. Yeah, there were a lot. <laughs> so, but yeah, all of his death scenes in all three movies, uh, involved the F word. So well, that's another thing he's famous for. You know, you go into a movie with Bill Paxton, you're trying to figure out whether he's going to survive the movie or not. You know, yeah, he's one of those I, ones that racked up a pretty good body count in his movies. Yeah. I think I think Sean Bean has him beat. Yeah, Sean Bean is taking over the mantle now. Yes. Poor Sean Bean, he's sick of dying in movies. <laughs> so, uh but yeah, so all right, what what else you got for us, Miles? Uh uh, well, uh, Bill Paxton, he was going to be in Police Academy 3, and then he auditioned and got the role of Hudson, and apparently the role he was auditioning for in that Police Academy 3 went to Bobcat Goldthwait. Oh, wow. Okay, so uh, both crazy high-energy guys, That's so that's interesting. That so. does make sense. I mean, when you think about Bill Paxton, uh, there are... Yeah. The, um, it's it's they're both high energy off the charts, but in completely different ways. Yes. So Bobcat yeah. Goldthwait's gone on to be a pretty cool indie producer too. Uh, but yeah, they're both both their intensity. I think Obi Wan Kenobi uh, has uh, the readings on them. The readings off the right. chart. Over twenty thousand. That's their intensity level. If, yeah, if you remember in the game game over scene, that's when his voice cracks, and that's very game over. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. Well, let's hear that again. Why? Why not? That's it, man. Game over, man. It's game over. What the fuck are we gonna do now? What are we gonna do? Wow, that's interesting. I I, I never knew that uh, he had auditioned for that. So. But uh, oh, Francie showed up. Hi, Francie. So, uh, uh, all right. Well, we got a couple minutes left. Uh, Miles, any other fun facts? Um, there was the remember you mentioned the robot sentry guns. So yes, apparently Bill Paxton was in the movie U five seven one, and um, the ammo counters when they're in that scene where they're watching the machine guns rip up the aliens is uh, UA-571. Uh, so I think it's an homage to a little nod to that movie uh, that Bill Paxton played the lead role in. A little oh. Easter egg. That's cool. Well, very cool. So many Easter eggs with him, especially when we're getting into uh, Michelle Michelle's pick. I mean, because... It's just uncanny. And by the way, Michelle, I've seen the movie. I think a couple times, but okay, it's been cool. a long. It's been a long time. But the scenes I watched, I was like, I totally saw this. I remember this. I remember so much about that movie. It's just been so long. It was nice to be refreshed on it. So, um, but yeah. So and and I, this is a movie I want to get my hands on now. So because I, th yeah, I think it's going to be so a, do I a classic. <laughs> So uh, we're gonna have to spend probably twenty five bucks to get it on DVD, but we'll do it. So, uh, but anyway, uh, anything else, Miles? You want to add? I think that'll wrap it up. 
All right, uh, Joe. Anything uh, else you you'd like to mention about uh, aliens? No, no. I think uh, you covered it pretty well. All right. Well, let's go ahead, and we have a deep, deep, deep cut from Michelle from Bill Paxton. A, a hard to find gem. Harder to find than a greasy pork sandwich uh, served in a dirty ashtray. <laughs> I've got those laying all over my house. Um, but yeah, so we're going to go to the break. We'll be right back with uh, our uh, last hour of episode eight of It Came From Cleveland. We'll be right back. How about a nice greasy pork sandwich served in a dirty ashtray? And now, on with the show. Yo! Stop your grinning and drop your linen. It's going to be a good night. Cleveland, Ohio. A land of strange rituals. The savage horrors of fearsome mutated beasts. Back from the dead. Kept alive by experimental science. Science runs amok when human beings tamper with unknown forces. Now at last, the real shocking story can be told. We are giving you all the evidence based only on the secret testimony of the miserable souls who survived this terrifying ordeal. A nightmare combination of shock and terror, and you're invited. A foolish undertaking. Something evil. It came from Cleveland and made me say something stupid. What a stupid show. Not recommended for impressionable children. Oh, man. Those robots, never, they, they're not cutting any of us any slack. What a... Welcome back to It Came From Cleveland. And, uh, yeah, so uh, now is the time where we uh, get Michelle's horrific take on the topic du jour. And, of course, that topic is uh, the legendary Bill Paxton. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's just run the, the trailer first for it, and then we can discuss this fun movie and the crew's... Uh, uh, what what happened with the crew? It was a blast. Caleb Colton no longer belongs to our world. We'll give him a week, see if we can call him one of us. He belongs to hers. But you have to learn to kill. He belongs to theirs. I don't want to kill. He makes a kill tonight. And they all belong to the night. It's three hours short for a bus ticket home. You help me out? What are you on? Believe me, I told you. Don't think of it as killing. Amen. Amen. Don't think at all. It's just something that you do night after night. It's only ever a question of how. Nerves. I would be too if I were you. 
near dark. Be your boys fall in with control. Check out time. some time, son. Like damn, it's my family. Let him go. Near dark. Pray for daylight. The night has its price. Yes, the night does have its price. Oh and um, yeah, they, they did a lot of night shooting on this. This m- movie was mostly shot at night and um, has a lot of great one-liners in it by Bill Paxton. And his character's no. name is Severin. Get out yes, of here. Yes, great, great <laughs> ones, too. What's, this movie was, um, was actually the first major directorial um, debut of uh, uh, Catherine Bigelow. And... Oh. Um, yeah, so, and, and you know, they were really a little bit leery about letting her direct this film because she co-wrote it. But they, she wasn't, you know, proven as a great, you know, she wasn't proven as a director. So they were, you know, the, one of the producers basically said, you know, I'll let you start the movie and direct it. If I find out you're having problems, I will replace you in a heartbeat. Ooh, that's rough. Yeah, so, um, but uh, it was really, really cool. And the neat thing about it is her future husband was James, uh, James Cameron. And um, she asked him, and they discussed it for a while, if she could use, you know, the three uh, actors from Aliens to be in this movie. So it has uh, Lance Hendrickson, Bill Paxton, and Jeanette Goldstein in it. And... Um, totally amazing i never realized that i have seen the movie but i never realized that and what three amazing three great ensemble players to to have in your your first feature film yeah and it it was it was really um it was really a a a kick to the production too because they had already worked together they were good friends um and uh he uh, basically they 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 pitched this movie as a western vampire tale, mm-hmm. and um, so it was a bit odd. People didn't know exactly what to think of it. And when Bill Paxton got the script, this will be clip three. Uh, yes, I have clip three right here. Uh, you want me to run with it? Yes, please. I remember getting the script and sitting down to read it. And I thought, God, this has, this is like this, has this great vampire, kind of a contemporary vampire story, but it had these kind of elements of Bonnie and Clyde because this family are having to kind of shoot their way out. I love the idea that these were modern vampires who couldn't just rely on their supernatural abilities. And I, I remember calling Lance Henriksen up and, and saying, and really being excited and saying, Lance, I read this incredible script. You, you, you've got you've to you've read it. Yeah. Yeah, so it was it was funny and when when he described it to Lance, Lance was like, "Nah, I don't I don't this doesn't sound like it's going to be any good." You know, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And when Lance got the copy of the script and started reading it, 
uh, he was so excited, he called Bill right back after he had read it. He's like, this is amazing. But they didn't know that each of them had been, that the three of them had been cast in the movie until they actually went to dinner once. And, you know, Bill was talking to Jeanette, and he said, Jeanette, I just found this, you know, I, I got this great-looking movie. Um, it's a Western vampire tale. And Jeanette's like, is it called Near Dark? And then Lance <laughs> is like, yeah. And then they all found out at that point that they actually had gotten hired to be in the movie. Oh, that's hysterical. That is, yeah, th so that's priceless. Yeah, it was, it, it was, it was um, quite funny. And, um... The, the, these guys were so good together. And there's something about when you have the chemistry that they did. Mm -hmm. and, and you're able to carry it on to different franchises, but make the characters entirely different. Lance Hendrickson was really good about immersing himself into a character. Yeah. And, uh, and Bill has something to say about Lance. That'd be cut five. When I met Lance on uh, Aliens, I was instantly kind of in awe of him in terms of the way I saw the way he put a role together. Lance would go out and spend several thousands of dollars on all kinds of maybe props and different things, and he's he's just he's just he's such a chameleon, and he just just changed himself. That's impressive, spending thousands yeah. of bucks. Yeah, what's really cool about Lance is um, he went out and he, you know, he was he was putting himself into this character. He made a backstory for um, his 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 um, a, a backstory for his character, and um, he even made up a whole entire, you know, it was done the entire history about being a, a in the uh, Confederate Navy. Um, he he blacked his hair, uh, the his ponytail uh, ponytail braid on the back with black tar, which is what they did in the 1800s. Um, he then wow. uh, added these broken fake nails to make his fingers look like the extension of his finger bones. And he went to town at That's night disgusting. while still in character. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm sorry. I just said that's disgusting. The, the, the bones through the fingers. Oh, yeah. 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 And these were thick, nasty, gnarly looking nails too. And um, he managed to scare a waitress at a Denny's. And he <laughs> picked up a hitchhiker. Now, this hitchhiker was twice his size. And um, the, he quick, the, the hitchhiker quickly asked to leave the car as soon as they drove up to the first inhabited area, area because Lance Hendrickson made him so uncomfortable. And so he <laughs> let the guy off and he gave and Lance gave him all the money he had on him, which was 80 bucks wow. to the hitchhiker for being such a good, good sport. So, um, and, you know, that's, that's not the hysterical. only crazy thing the cast members did. Um, there was this one scene where Bill Paxton's character, Severon, who's a big, nasty, loudmouth, rockabilly-type crazy guy. Um, yeah. He kind of portrayed himself as, like, a really super uh, amped-up uh, Morrison. And um, Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, so they had problems with, you know, they, you know, so they'd be, they'd be doing it at night and stuff like that. And there was a train that would come through the town that they were filming in. The train would stop at night. So with all the noise, they had to shut down shooting while the train arrived and stopped. 
And so one time they were filming this one scene where Bill Paxton's character gets hit by a semi and has half of his <laughs> face ripped off. So he's in full bloody gory makeup. And when the train stops, he runs up to one of the conductors that gets off the train and he goes to the conductor. He goes, oh, my God, there's been a horrible accident. And if you think I look bad, you should see the other guy. (laughs) Freaked out the poor conductor. (laughs) He was a known prankster. So this is not surprising. Yeah. So um, and, um, you know, so so. You know, Bill is is you know he he's enjoying this role, and he just wants to have that that mad western vibe. And the nice thing about Catherine Bigelow is she allowed them to do a lot of improvising. So mm-hmm. a lot of the stuff you see, you know, um, is improvised. You know, and uh, a lot like especially a lot of dialogues. And Bill talks about how he got Severin's phrases that cut six. All righty. Hey, Jess, that guy smelled like a dead polecat. I had some kind of Western novels that had great colloquial expressions like that, and I hate them when they ain't been shaved, and, you know, finger-licking good, and they ever tell you the one about Buffalo Bill? Uh, Lance came up with that one. Hey, ever tell you the one about Buffalo Bill? <laughs> uh, just so you yes. know, I, I, I had to... Um, uh, clip the one about buffalo bill uh, to have for our uh for all time here on on radio for humans so uh here we go hey ever tell you the one about buffalo bill yeah, so. <laughs> yeah i figured you would like some of these to keep forever because oh, they yeah, are yeah. pretty good um yeah if you got if you can do cut one that's another one of his bullseye yeah bullseye Yeah, he says that a couple times throughout the film. Um, and uh, uh, number four is fun because it kind of amps up the uh, feel of how, just how psychotic he is. What is going on? Hey, what's going on, son? It's what's coming off. Your face. Clean off. No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, and uh, then there would be cut seven. Howdy. I'm going to separate your head from your shoulders. Hope you don't mind none. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Yeah, <laughs> why, not, not at all. Why would anybody mind? I forgot. I think the, uh, uh, the, the cut two is checkout time. That's when the group is, you know, uh, realizing that they're going to have to leave their hotel room pretty quickly. All right. Checkout time. Uh, that's uh oh yeah one way to do it <laughs> yeah he kind of shoots the guy through the through the the front door but the yeah. bad thing is though it was it, you know he lets in the sunlight and that 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 could be a problem yeah and also who who was the kid in this movie because I, I i i i the scenes that i watched i definitely remembered it but the kid the young kid who played well obviously he was a vampire so he was much older he wasn't just a kid um, but, uh, he was in something else and I cannot remember what the hell it was. So yeah, I, sh- um, I should probably just look he, it up. Yeah. Um, was it a lost? No, it wasn't, I don't think it was lost boys. Oh, um, mm. it might've been. It might've sure. been. I'll, I'll look it up. 
But, you know, I did find another clip that um, uh, you didn't have. And I think, Joe, Joel, you'll appreciate this one. Uh, it, it, we could have used this for your old jingle on uh, Turn Up the Night. That's a new fucking seatbelt! Yeah. <laughs> 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 for the clown car garage fasten your fucking seatbelt. Oh, yes. That's yeah, after um, he gets mowed down by a semi and starts ripping out the engine of the of the still uh, 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 moving truck that he just got hit by. Yeah, so they, this is a vampire movie that never me mentions the word vampire once. And they only have, you know, the, 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 you know, they have the immortality and they have the weakness to sunlight. But you don't see them having any more, any of the other rather um, uh, supernatural vampire traits, you know. So, and they're, they're pretty damn, they're pretty strong and they do create a lot of mayhem. Um, what's funny and in, in one, and in, 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 at the 2113 mark of the movie. When, Kate, when the lead character Caleb is stumbling through the, the town that's supposed to be in Texas, in the background, there's a Warner cin Cinema, and they're playing Aliens. Oh, my God. <laughs> that's hysterical. Uh, Josh. Just... Oh, 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 go ahead. Finish. Um, no, go, go ahead. I was going to say Joshua John Miller is who played the kid, and he was in... Um... Uh, let me see. Filmography. Uh, Halloween 3, Season of the Witch as Willie. Okay. Uh, he was on Greatest American Hero, Family Ties, Highway to Heaven, River's Edge as Tim, Near Dark the following year, 21 Jump Street, Growing Pains. So, yeah, I knew I'd seen him elsewhere. Uh, but, yeah, so he only had a few roles, but he, he looks so familiar. So and apparently he's he's been writing some stuff too, so some books. And yeah, all I can I can see the season of the witch because that's that's one of the movies I've seen plenty of times. So. Oh yeah, classic, um, classic. I hate the I the hate Halloween the Halloween movie that's three not haters. a Halloween movie, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I hate the Halloween three, the season of the witch haters out there. It's a great movie. I would have I would have preferred if the Halloween um, series had been anthology movies, like something different evil every Halloween, not just Michael Myers. Because the first yeah, movie yeah. is enough on its own. We don't need the continuing saga of Michael Myers. Yeah, um, that I, was, I can th see that. That was enough. Um, but yeah, so, uh, alright, did we get to, to all the clips? Uh, or, or I think we did them all. Um, yeah. So I just, had, I just have some more nice little trivia fun stuff about the movie. Awesome. Um, that we can it. talk about. Um... Oh, do you have the one about Buffalo Bill? Hey, ever tell you the one about Buffalo Bill? Sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry. That's okay. That's okay. There's a little little known fact about the movie that Bill Paxton revealed during interviews. There is a scene where he's hitchhiking down the road, and a driver breezes past him and flips him the bird. That driver was James Cameron. Yeah, he's like fuck you, asshole. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, that's good. Um, yeah. So, uh, another a little thing that um, Lance would do is he, it, it, since they were doing, they're shooting in the desert. They're shooting mostly at night. Sometimes during the day, they had you know spare time. And Lance likes to blow off steam, so he would get into his convertible and he would drive. Well. 
he would often do this still in costume and staying in character. So he went out. He they they decided they were going to take a trip up to Tombstone to check out Tombstone because oh, you know okay. it, it was going to be fun. And in character, they thought, okay, that's something our characters would do anyways because you know they probably knew people in Tombstone or you know that sort of thing. Yeah. So um, so they get in the car and they they get out and he's driving and you know he's seeing the the electronic signs that say how fast you're going on a thing and he realizes that he's speeding and sure enough. A policeman pulls him over. Fasten your fucking seatbelt. <laughs> Sorry, I, that was a good opportunity for that too. And supposedly, um, the policeman became so unnerved questioning Lance about his speeding that the officer became visibly uncomfortable, stepped back, and placed his hand on his firearm. Oh wow. And, the, you know, he was so flustered that he decided to send them on, his, on their way, you know, and, and not write them a ticket. That's I'm scared. <laughs> you got to remember how creepy, you know, Lance Hendrickson looked. Good Lord. Oh, yeah. You know? That, that so, makeup was pretty great. Yeah, it was, um, it was, uh, fairly, they, they had a lot of fun. Um, both Johnny Depp and D.B. Sweeney had auditioned for the role of Caleb, who's the hero of the movie. But uh, they did not get it. And Caleb, the guy that was Caleb was uh, was a little unknown in the business. He was only 21 at the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, But he wanted to do Once he, he, he heard the premise of the movie, he thought, oh, I don't want to have anything to do with horror. But once he realized that it was going to be directed by uh, Catherine Bigelow, a female um, director, he thought, I, I, I want to give this a shot. You know, I want to, I want to, you know, to, 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 to see how this works out. So, um, it was, it was really, um, it was, uh, it was, it was kind of like a breakout role for him and for her. So, and she went on to do a lot greater things. So, and, and it was funny, Lance Hendrickson described her as a dark Irish beauty when he first met her. He was like so mesmerized by by her by her looks, and he was just he had a lot of fun with it. Um, there's another thing. One of the patrons in the bar uh, was Robert Winley, who was killed by Severin. Also played the lead cigar smoking biker in the bar in the clothes stealing scene of Terminator Two. Oh. So, you know, Bill Paxton played the character that had the clothes stealing scene in Terminator. And at that, you know, at that, at, and, and so it, it's, um, and then, of course, you know, I said Catherine Bigelow went on to marry James Cameron. Um, they, uh, there's um, a, when Caleb was, re- uh, let uh, one of the victims go at the bar scene. Um, there's a billboard in the background spray painted with Bill and Louise. And of course we found out Bill Paxton was married to Louise Newberry. Yeah. So that's two references, one in the aliens movie and one in the near dark movie. And these movies are, uh, they were pretty much made back to back, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, aliens, uh, was just before this. Was it 1982? 
Uh, no. Uh, Party. I thought Three? it was 85. I thought it came around a... Oh, wait, no, wait. No, no, no. I'm sorry. I got the, the date wrong for Near Dark. Never mind. Near Dark was 87. So if Aliens was 83, I mean 85, there you go. Within two years. Aliens was 86. So Near Dark was 86 or 87 then. Yeah, right after that. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Uh, Michael Bain was actually asked to be in the movie, but he declined to participate. Yeah. Near Dark was 87. <laughs> So, very cool. So, um, <laughs> sorry, the, the gifts are going crazy in the chat room right now. Oh, I bet. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I threw a bunch of the movie posters up. Um, the bad thing about this movie is you can't find it anywhere. I mean, they did have a release, a couple releases. There is a Blu-ray out there, from what I understand. There are DVDs out there, special collector's editions. But yeah. you can only find them, like, on eBay or, you know, from yeah, special Yeah, and they're, they're a little pricey. Yes, or you could go to one of those DVD sites that'll mm -hmm. get you the DVD for the movie you want. But those places are shady, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, there's like the, all the, the Chinese and Russian uh, uh, bootleggers and stuff like that. So, um, But all right, so are, are we good to go to the, the trailer break? Anything else you need to add uh, trivia-wise for Near Dark? No, um... All I'm going to say, it was included amongst the American Film Institution's 2001 list of 400 movies nominated for the top 100 most heart-pounding American movies. Oh, well, look at that. All right. Yeah, orig originally, uh, Lance Henderson wanted to play Severin, but the director wanted him to, uh, him to play Jesse, and I think he did beautiful as the patriarch of the, of the, of the group, so. No, yeah, that, that was great, so... Uh, but again, it's been a while since I've seen it, but I definitely, I, this is a must buy now for me. So Joe, you, did you put it on your list? It is there. All it right. Very good. So, and Joe, when we come back from the break, you're going to lead us in, uh, the latest episode of the twilight zone. Okay. So from it's, 61 uh, years ago today, I'll trumpet our way right through it. Well, <laughs> yeah. Well, can you do it with that clug foot of yours? Clugman? Clug? <laughs> yeah, my, my uh, feet are right coupled. <laughs> I quincy every time I see them. Uh, so. <laughs> All right, so we're going to go to the trailer break. Michelle has selected uh, four great uh, trailers that uh, starred Bill Paxton. Horror flicks, Brain Dead, Impulse, Mortuary, and Night Warning. Looking forward to that. And when we come back, we'll tell you another story. Hey, ever tell you the one about Buffalo Bill? Yeah. Coffin camp? How's every little floating thing? There is a limit, even to the imagination. Halsey was working on something big, cornerstone technology. Where our greatest creations meet our deepest fears. People are so anxious to change their faces. What about their personalities, their very souls? You are about to go beyond that limit. <laughs> 
that knew you from Eunice. But even the greatest discoveries... You have a special brain, a very special brain. ...have a price. You need those numbers. Your life. One in brain dead. Said anything about brain dead? Who the hell are you? What do you want? You could be the patient, and Halsey could be the doctor. Just give us those numbers, Halsey. Just burn out the core. He's in the hospital. A little shock therapy will help you relax. Help me. I'm not dead yet. Because you're not dead. Don't let them take you to search. Until you're brain dead. Before your funeral and your coffin lid is closed, before you are buried and your flesh turns cold, before you are covered with the last shovelful of dirt, be sure you are really dead. Mortuary. So shocking, so terrifying, so powerful. Night Warning has been named Best Horror Film of the Year by the Academy of Science Fiction, Fantasy, and Horror. Billy and Julie, young, innocent, in love. It was all a mistake. They didn't go looking for trouble. They were just too curious. Without knowing, they've uncovered a deadly secret.
by accident, they've stumbled onto a grisly murder. Now, they know too much to live. A chilling tale of a young boy and girl, innocent victims, now targets of a frenzied obsession with murder. See the award-winning Night Warning. What's going on, son? It's what's coming off. Your face, clean off. Oof. Rough night. Rough night at the bar. All right. Uh, welcome back to our final segment here on uh, It Came From Cleveland. Thank you, of course, to uh, Mort from Kill the Hippies, Adam for the mythical moments, uh, the robots, and Michelle for providing our break material. And uh, tonight, Joe, uh, we're going to talk, uh, do what we usually do to wrap up the show, but we, we have a little bit of breathing room for, uh, what is it? That, yep, there it is, the Twilight Zone. Uh-oh. And if you would like, I have uh, two, li well, I've got a bunch of audio for this, but this is the, this is the intro for Season 1, Episode 32, A Passage for Trumpet. Broadcast 61 years ago today. Uh, and uh, this is uh, Rod Serling's preliminary intro for the episode. Joey Crown, musician with an odd, intense face, whose life is a quest for impossible things, like flowers in concrete, or like trying to pluck a note of music out of the air and put it under glass to treasure. All right. Now, um, uh, Joe, you, you care to mention uh, uh, who some of the cast members were uh, from this episode? Well, uh, there was a obscure actor you might have heard of. Uh, his name would be Jack Klugman. Never heard of him. Okay. Odd couple. <laughs> yeah. Most so certainly. Anyway. Yeah. Awesome. Yes. Uh, Jack Klugman is a young musician with a drinking problem and yep. uh well i have the... i got a couple of clips to help set it up oh, okay. i i have um uh where he's lingering at the very beginning behind a club uh right. a jazz club where there's a trumpet player uh playing and uh i've got basically like two back-to-back -back clips and here's the first one right, joey what do you say bud listen i uh I brought along my baby. I, I thought you might need somebody with a horn. Uh, not tonight, Joey. The last time you played trumpet for me, you lost it up. I had to share you with a bottle. Oh. A bottle? Me? Bottle of booze. I forgot what the stuff tastes like. Six, uh -huh. seven months, I'm way up on the wagon. Sure, Likely, sure. sorry. What am I, some kind of kook? I know what that stuff does to me, but... I ain't an old man. Me and the horn, we got a lot of years left. I could be a number one boy. 
You know, what am I going to do? Chuckle away on some bum hammock? You know? Listen, that's a pretty mellow horn. And I got some nice music in here. You know yourself, when I pick it up and I blow it, I can make them cry. What do you say, Ben? Uh-oh. Uh, I think this guy's a couple cans short of a six-pack. Yeah. <laughs> he's, a, he's a fifth short of a fifth. Because <laughs> a fifth of liquor just fell out of his trumpet case. That's why you forgot what it tastes like. Yeah, yeah. He's, he, he swore up and down. I haven't touched this stuff. I haven't the done it. I got out of this no, I forgot. No, I haven't had anything to drink. I swear to God. No, I don't but, know who put that bottle in. It, it wasn't mine. No. It wasn't my bottle. Excuse me, officer. Somebody, somebody. I let somebody borrow my trumpet earlier. I was just holding that for a friend. <laughs> and uh, I, I do have the following clip. His lament. Uh, it, this is the longest clip, and then I only have a few few short ones. But this is him justifying using the booze because his life is is so so pitiful uh, and wrong. So here here's that. For old times when you had it, a magic horn, Harry James and Max Kaminsky and Butterfield, a little bit of all of them, baby. You traded it off for some bad hooch, and you got took. You got the crummy end of the stick. Why, Joey? Why? Crummy end of the stick. Because I'm sad. Because I'm nothing. And because I'll live and die in a crummy one-roomer with dirty walls and cracked pipes. And I'll never even have a girl. I'll never be anybody. Because half of me is this horn. And I can't even talk to people, Baron, because this horn... That's half my language. But when I'm drunk, Baron, oh, when I'm drunk, boy, I don't see the dirty walls or the cracked pipes. I don't know the clock's going, that the hours are going by. Because then I'm Gabriel. Oh, I'm, I'm Gabriel with a golden horn. And when I put it to my lips, it comes out jeweled. Comes out a symphony. Comes out the smell of, of fresh flowers in summer. Comes out wow. beauty. Beauty. drunk that's it the music's well, only beautiful when he's drinking yeah, it sounds like you know it's, it's like an early you know foray into severe depression yeah or you know maybe he, he had some uh some clam chowder with pcp and decided to have a drinky winky <laughs> yes. i think i'll have me a little drinky winky yeah <laughs> So, so he yeah, was rejected so, uh, by his old band leader. 
He is. He is. And I, my apologies right now. Just uh, one last clip. Because Rod Serling did this from time to time. He'd have, like, the preliminary introduction of the episode and then the follow-up. So he, this is what happened. Joey Crown, musician with an odd, intense face, who in a moment will try to leave the earth and discover the middle ground, the place we call the Twilight Zone. Bow. <laughs> a little jazzy end there. So, all right, uh, but yeah, uh, Joe, uh, go ahead and set it up from here, and then we'll do tandem with uh, Michelle and Miles on how the episode goes. So Joey wanders off to the back back of the alley, and there's some, he sits down and starts blowing his horn, but he can't get that high note because he's not drunk. Yeah. And so yeah. he's disgusted. So he wanders off. And he goes to a pawn shop with his with his beautiful trumpet. His beautiful trumpet. And, and there, uh, oh, mm -hmm. go ahead. No, no, you go, please. Oh, and there uh, he goes into the pawn shop, and he's finally going to give up in his dream. And obviously, the pawn shop owner knows him. He goes, "This time, I'm selling." And I don't want him back. I don't want him back. <laughs> and pawn shop owner. Eight fifty. <laughs> Eight fifty. That's all he gives him for it. Eight fifty. Take it or leave it. I got more horns here than I know. I could start a Sousa band. Oh uh, yeah, he said he could stock John Philip Sousa's band with uh, <laughs> with with horns. But Miles, uh, uh, the, he he puts the trumpet in the window and uh, puts a new price tag on it, and it ain't eight fifty. Uh, no, no, uh, capitalism at work. Uh, he needs to make a profit. He jacks it up triple or quad? No, triple. Yeah, laissez-faire. So, <laughs> yeah, twenty-five bucks, cash on the barrel head. Look a deal. <laughs> and and uh, Klugman's character is is like you know le looking at the window and he's like, yeah, don't you sell it, don't you do it. <laughs> and then uh, Michelle, you want to pick it up from there? But what the pawn shop owner says to him through the glass, he says nobody's going to buy it at that price, at least not right away. <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah, um, so, uh, yeah, Jack just, you know, just kind of stares at it for a little while longer, and then, then he takes the money, and we all know what he does with the money. Goes on another bender. <laughs> yeah. And, um... $8.50 bender. Woo. Yeah, and then as he, and, and then as he, he's wandering the streets after getting, getting drunk, um, he stops off at the pawn shop again and kind of looks at the thing and turns around and walks towards the street and he's like hugging oh, the lamppost i get it i get it backwards uh about my uh the scenes of, of him uh in the trumpet yeah but yeah so okay. uh so he le yeah so he uh uh leaned against the lamppost for a while right and and you know he's just kind of thinking to himself and he's looking at the street and he hears a large truck coming
<laughs> okay, this is where I got to interject right here for the editors of this episode. If you go mm-hmm. back and you watch that scene, the woman's mm-hmm. scream goes on for longer than she has her mouth open for screaming. <laughs> if you watch it, it's like she's like, bah! you know, and it's it obviously it's probably you know a, 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 a an overdub of a scream. It probably wasn't the actual actress's scream. You know that for for all kinds of actors, it's kind of been a a Hollywood practice. They have screamers who come in and record screams, and they overdub this. And then at the end of the scream, the woman's just standing there, like with her you know mouth closed and her head down and her arms in front of her. <laughs> and I'm like, where the hell's the scream coming from now? <laughs> it was an echo. Yeah. That was a cavernous city. Yeah. So, uh, 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 Joe, uh, yeah, back to you then. So now uh, begins a a long journey for our our young Quincy, our young Oscar. Yeah, so uh, (laughs) Joey uh, pulls an Anna Karenina there Mm -hmm. and uh, jumps in front of a truck. Uh, And... uh, so he starts, he's laying there dead, and then all of a sudden he blinks his eyes and looks up and gets up off the sidewalk and dusts himself off and said, holy shit. Hey, <laughs> um, what happened? What happened here? So uh, there's a young cop standing there, and. He goes, uh, hey, officer, I didn't really mean that. Uh, you know, like, jumping in front of that truck or whatever. <laughs> and the officer's just staring right by him like he's not even there. Not even there. Not even there. So then he walks down the street and, yeah, it's a guy for a light. Guy just walks by him, goes into a movie theater and, starts talking to the girl at the box office and she's just reading a book and like he's not there and he's screaming at her talk to me talk she just doesn't look at him no going on he's all around town uh trying to figure out what the hell's going on he's like what am i invisible here yeah so then he wanders into a bar of all places him no yeah, and uh, he starts talking. He says, oh, yeah, I guess uh, what's whatever his name was has the night off, and there was some bartender. Oddly enough, when you're watching this scene, the bartender is staring off into space, cleaning glasses, and you're wondering what the hell he's looking at. Yeah, I was looking at Joey, and he's just staring off into space, wiping a glass, and I'm thinking. Which one of them is dead here? Well, spoiler alert. Well, we, you know, actually, you know, he he keeps going, and um, you know, there there's lots of other uh, interactions. Well, the old bartender that was mm-hmm. that used to be there actually put a record in the jukebox from the days when Joey was with Jimmy Dorsey. Oh yeah. And oh, I loved he. I loved that he did that for me. 
that was my his heyday, you know. So he, he, he felt like his person. life was still worthwhile. It was. It was. But he still couldn't get anybody to talk to him. What the hell's going on here? Huh? He also couldn't see his reflection in the mirrors at the uh, at the movie theater either. Well, then he's a vampire. Or... <laughs> <laughs> Could be. So uh, he starts wandering around and he hears. What does he hear? His uh, trumpet. Little trumpet music. Little trumpet. Real, real good trumpet. The same. Music. The same club uh, that he visited in the beginning. Yeah. This. 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 This music was heavenly. It was heavenly. Yes. And uh and he uh ended up going and Miles do you do you want to uh talk about the the, the fella that he met and um I think it's like in a back alley behind a it, dive place. Yeah, it was the same place that uh he was hanging out in the beginning. Yeah, that's this guy, you know, playing a trumpet and uh, uh you know, uh he goes up and sits in, a, I think, a staircase and just starts listening. And gives him a compliment, and this guy actually answers him or thanks him. Yeah, he knows his name. You talking to me? You know, and so uh, there's an exchange back and forth, and he's just trying. You, you, you can hear me? He's like, yeah, I can hear you. So starts engaging this guy in a conversation who apparently can see dead people, and who isn't dead himself. You know, I think he answered it like, ah, not exactly dead. <laughs> well, and, and actually, that's a good setup for the clip, the next clip I have, because I've got uh, two more. So uh, here it is, the conversation that ensues about what, uh, in, um, Joe, what's the character's name again? Johnny, oh, you mean Klugman's character? Yeah, yeah. The Joey Crow? Yeah, Joey, yeah, Joey Crow, uh, he's like, wait a minute. Jo I'm sorry, Joey, Joey Crown. Joey Crown, oh. yeah, he's like, wait a minute, how how do you, uh, how do you know my name? Uh, and this is how that goes. How come you know who I am? You say you're not a ghost, you're not dead. No, I'm not dead. Neither are you, Joey. I'm not. By no means. What about the people in the bar? The girl in the ticket booth and the people in the streets? They are dead. They're the ghosts, Joey. They just don't know it, that's all. Sometimes to make it easier, we have to work it that way. We let them go on in a life that they're familiar with. They never know for a long while. But that's why they couldn't hear you. You're the one that's alive. But like I said, I, I stepped off a curb. That you did. Right now, you're in a kind of a limbo, Joey. You're neither here nor there. You're in the middle, between the two, the real and the shadow. Which do you prefer, Joey? Which do you prefer? Hmm. Yes. So In kind of a limbo there. Go ahead, Joey. Yes, he's... He's in a limbo there, and uh, so by the way, the guy that's 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 talking to him, his name is the actor's name is John Anderson, and you might have known him from Star Trek: The Next Generation uh, series. He was yeah. in the episode "The Survivor." 
Yeah, um, I, I recognize okay. him from a lot of stuff. So yeah. So anyway, yeah, because he was in everything. If there was mm-hmm. a television show in the fifties or sixties, John Anderson was in it. So um, yeah, uh, you'd recognize him. He looks a lot like Abraham Lincoln. He which sure, he yeah, he does. Three different times, uh, he played Abraham. So um, wow. Yeah. So anyway, he he talks to to him and he says, "Here's the thing, Joey. You can uh, go either way here. <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. You can uh, you can die, or you can go back. I can go back. I I, I can go back. Yeah. Yeah. Think of all the beautiful music you and all the your talent, your skill." Go, yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe, maybe that that would work out. You know, maybe mm-hmm. it would. Yeah, yeah. I think I want to go back. You want to go back, Joey? Yeah, I want to go. So he decides, he, uh, I'm gonna go back. Yeah, so he does go back, and uh, he uh, promptly goes to the pawn shop. You wanna? You'll you wanna? Uh, you know, uh, Well, first of all. Yeah, oh. Joey asked the guy his name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so John Anderson's walking away. Go ahead, Michelle. You say what happened. Well, yeah, John, yeah, John Anderson's the the, the the character with the with the the, the trumpet's walking away, and and John uh, and Joey's like, uh, what's your name? And the guy says, Gabe. Joey's like Gabe, and he goes, Gabe, call me Gabe, short for Gabriel. Oh, Gabriel the cool. angel, the trumpeter from heaven. Yes. Oh yes. So heavenly music. Yes. Yeah. Uh and uh, uh so basically it it resets Miles back to where he stepped off the curb. Right. From they the moving truck. See him now, they talk to him, they thought he was really gone, but he wasn't. Or that the, the truck driver asked him to kind of you know, let it slide. And, uh, Here, here's a stack of money. Let me put a stack of money <laughs> yeah. in your hand. Here's exactly $25 so you can buy that horn back. Yeah! Well, how convenient. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I guess he goes and gets his horn back. Uh, that, was, that was easy. <laughs> well, I, that was I'm easy. I'm having trouble remembering it. Uh, what, does he meet a woman? He does, yeah. and actually, that's my second bit of trivia from this. He meets a woman on top of the same, very same rooftop that was featured in a, a Big Tall Wish. <laughs> oh, cool! That's I right. thought it looked familiar. Uh, right. It was total. I, I'm looking. I'm like, I'm not even gonna look it up because I know that's the same like rooftop. You know, you know, New York or Chicago skyline rooftop. No need to look yeah. it up. So that's the same thing they did with. Uh, remember, we were talking about uh, that one Twilight Zone where the astronaut was in that deserted village. Yeah, town. yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's the same town in Back to the Future. <laughs> that's hysterical. It's the back alley at Universal or whatever, you know. So yeah, or yeah. the MGM backlot, whatever it was. No, I love that. So but, uh, uh, yeah, he meets a woman. 
He did. He did. He met a lady, and uh, she was new. She was new in town. And he was playing a trumpet. She said, hey, you play pretty. You're a pretty player. And he's like, I'll I show do. you around town. Yeah. You, you dame, <laughs> I've been looking for a girl. Yeah, we go to jazz clubs and stuff. So, yeah. And, I, uh, well, I life think is Mich- good. Yeah, and yeah, basically Michelle pointed out this is kind of a, a little bit of a reduced version of it's a wonderful life uh, exactly. yes. kind of thing. Exactly. So. Except instead of Clarence, we had Gabe. Yep, we had Gabe, and instead of uh, um, uh, jumping off a bridge, we jumped off a curb. <laughs> yeah, jumped off a curb. Well, the budget could didn't call for a bridge. Yeah, bridge. so yeah, you know, and all that snow. <laughs> you can't yeah, do that. Yeah. So, all right, uh, 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 go ahead, Michelle. I did want to say something real quick in, in in response about John Anderson. John Anderson is actually the the the, the character and the episode Miles and I love the most from Star Trek Next Generation. You know, and you know, it's mm-hmm. it's it's like, you know, because he's basically a a a Q in hiding. Oh yeah. And mm-hmm. when you know, when he says, you know, yeah, you know, they attacked here, they killed my wife, I was so angry, I killed them. And <laughs> Picard's like, oh well, you know, that's understandable. And the guy's like, no, you don't understand. I killed Every last one of them throughout Every the universe. Last <laughs> one. I, yeah. was, I just went up to him and said, "Fuck you, asshole!" Yeah, I killed him. <laughs> so, so he's, ah! yeah, he's he's got a wonderful voice, very recognizable. He's that's the one mm-hmm. thing that uh, that I recognize about him. So, yeah, yeah, he did play Abraham Lincoln in three different uh, settings. That's wild. Yeah, that's cool. I, he, I, I immediately thought he looked like Abe Lincoln in that. Yeah, he is tall, and he was 6'2", and uh, yeah, his facial feet, he had that long face. Mm-hmm. And uh, he also had a, a vast collection of stovepipe hats. He happened to have those. Yeah. <laughs> he just happened, he, he, he just lucked happened into them. He spent thousands of dollars to be a yeah, like Yeah, like Lance Hendrickson uh, went out right. and bought props. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> So Lance Hendrickson would have made a great like badass Lincoln. Badass Lincoln. Yeah. So well, he should have Lincoln did a Lincoln the the vampire slayer, right? They did a Lincoln. Yeah, it was based on a comic book. So, so. uh yeah, Lance, but anyway. Lance Hendrickson lost a lot of weight for Near Dark too, so he mm. was looking skeletal. He said he was down to like one forties or one fifty. Oh, yes. That's a lot. <laughs> So, so you're saying he was a couple cans short of a six pack? Hey, I think this guy's a couple cans yeah. short of a six pack. Uh, but anyway, all right, we got to start wrapping up the show right now. So mm. I'm gonna uh, run our end credits here. But no, thank you guys. The great show tonight. Uh, kind of impromptu talking about Bill Paxton. But next week we've been planning for a while. Uh, we What's got next week. Next week, Vincent Price, Christopher Lee, Uh-oh. Peter Cushing. Oh. All have birthdays, roughly. In, well, it's their birthday week next week. Hmm. And Lee Merriweather. And, Chris- hmm? and Christopher Lee, by the way. Yeah. Had his television acting debut on what show? Lassie? No. Twilight Zone? One Step Beyond. One, One Step, step beyond. beyond. Well, oh, we'll have cool. To- well, there we go. We'll yeah. talk about that uh that Twilight, I'm sorry, Lee. One Step Beyond episode next week, then. There we Christopher go. Christopher Lee played, played, the, 
played in the episode called The Sorcerer. Ooh, how and appropriate. It was a young man, young man's first TV role. Very nice. All yes. right, very good. So, uh, um, Michelle, what do you got uh, for us on the way out? Um, I don't have much. I'm really looking forward to next week because those, those are my guys. You know, my classic oh, yeah. horror actors. Your boys. Yeah, and you know, it's very. It's it's still it still amazes me to the day that they were all born on May in May. Um, Peter mm-hmm. Cushing's was on the 26th, and Vincent Price and Christopher Lee were on the 27th. It's just kind of funny like that. So very nice. And Miles, any uh, last words before we uh, wrap things up? Uh, just had our second Moderna shot, so at the moment I'm on vapors. All right. And you know what? I'll leave everybody with. I have one last clip from the Twilight Zone. Uh, the outro from Rod Serling. And uh, we'll see everybody next Friday. Joey Cron, who makes music. And who discovered something about life. That it can be rich and rewarding and full of beauty. Just like the music he played. If a person would only pause to look and to listen. Joey Cron, who got his clue in the Twilight Zone. Game over, man! Game over! <laughs>